I always back myself and it's not easy. Um, I definitely think that I've felt a pressure here the last two weeks that I've honestly never, ever felt in my life the way it's been lingering on. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Right, you're very welcome along. It is half past seven. It is Thursday morning and we have a full house. Shane's here. Shane, how are you? Good morning, how are things? Kathleen's here. Kathleen, how are you? Morning, morning. I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, all the back page headlines about Veer Power are like, oh, worst day of my life and Veer out. But actually, yeah, well, yesterday morning might have been bad for Veer Power. By the end of last night, she was in incredible form. Yeah, she was in great form last night in the Mansion House. Uh, off the ball, had an event there with her and the entire team. And I actually did think she was a little bit emotional at times when she was up on stage with Katie. She definitely hadn't shaken off everything that was there from earlier in the day. Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a good celebration and a good send off for the team in general. Uh, Emma said that, um, or maybe Philip was said that at the end of the night she got up on stage after all the mics had gone and shushed the entire room and thanked everybody for putting it on and said that it was a, a night that they were never going to forget. Well, that's pretty good. I must have missed that part. <laughs> you would have gone by that stage. Uh, I only lasted an hour. My kids had enough that stage. Uh, there was like a very emotional moment on stage and my son looked like he was about to puke from tiredness. So I was Ooh. like, okay, we, we got to go. That <laughs> would have been worse if we'd stayed. But um, uh, my middle child went home and slept with a football because Katie McCabe signed it for her. And it was definitely a night that she's never going to forget. Mm. So, it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I was like, oh, Shane Han would love this now. This is like her first proper autograph. Yes. Do you yeah. know? Start the collecting. You it's remember just how excited that was. Franz Beckenbauer was my first. Oh, well, that's a pretty good one. First in the post. Yeah, yeah. No, Pat in, Kenny, in person. In, in person. person. Pat Kenny, I think, was uh, the first. Uh, Katie McCabe trumps Pat Kenny. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Pat, but yeah. she does. Because you were, I think you were sitting just the row in front of me, Jer. I was sitting with Emma and Phil for most of the night. And like where the kids kind of because the team were just like a row or two ahead of us again uh, then so they kind of looking being like oh. we, we arrived uh, you know a little bit earlier than uh, everybody else and Nathan was like oh I think they're going to try and get everybody out immediately afterwards and they're going to be coming in after everybody else so there's not going to be much chance to get stuff so we were like oh and then once it emerged that we weren't going to be able to last to the end to stick around where apparently they did stick around anyway and had great time and did whatever anybody wanted in terms of photographs and signing I think they were actually they got uh, up on stage and got a good few shots as well up there altogether. And Q&A as well from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So it, like it, it turned into one of those, ah, oh, we're, we're having the time. Um, so I, I made them in the middle of the switch around between one panel to the next go. And uh, yeah, that was, the, that was the only opportunity to do it. <laughs> and we had to leg it. Did feel like a, it felt like it felt really negative yesterday, didn't it? Like the whole day, it felt like oh, all the players that have missed out. It's very sad. And then I got to the point in the afternoon where I was like, okay, I want, I want the ice cold beer now. This is like okay, the team's picked, the squad's picked, we move on. Nobody died. It's terrible for the players that didn't get picked. It is. It is the first World Cup for Ireland. But let's because initially what was supposed to happen was that they were going to have that night last night, which was essentially a night for the family and supporters. And uh, and then the squad is going to be named. But then they pulled it forward 24 hours. A couple of weeks ago, they made that decision. I don't know if it was made public a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's only made public at the weekend. Yeah, so they definitely had decided. They found out last night that um, they were looking at everything. It was like, no, 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 no. We just need to get that done, rip the bandage off, and... Um, and then we will actually be able to have a night of celebration with the fans and the, and the families. And that's what 
that's exactly what happened. There was a few um, football clubs. Nathan, a lot of uh, members of Nathan's football club were at oh, the. That's funny, isn't it? Mm. He did wonder how they got tickets. <laughs> Nathan's a bit of a. There's a bit of. There's a, a bit of real and dealing by Nathan. <laughs> bit of John Blaney to our Nathan, isn't there? Ah, uh, yeah. I did love like the general competitiveness of like the teams that were there because they were all sitting in like different parts of the mansion house and they would just like at one stage that Ashling went around the crowd and said like where are you from where are you from and whenever one team would say their name another team would start bo- booing them and stuff it was good crack it was definitely beef between uh, I don't know if it was Colester and Home Farm or uh, Port Marnock and Colester anyway mm. um, but I, I think that like the atmosphere was incredible like really incredible and, and um so the the first guests were obviously Katie McCabe and Vera Pau, and as you said, Vera was still a little bit toe to motion in the middle of it, but Katie McCabe is on it, like mm-hmm. definitely, you know, we're absolutely ready for this, looking forward to Steely-eyed. it. And then um, the next panel was three legends, and everybody was wrapped, like the current players were wrapped, watching the stories from the first international fifty years ago, and is it our record goal scorer? Olivia mm-hmm. Tool. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, I don't think Nathan and Ashling asked a single question during that. Like they just let the three of them go off, and it was perfect. <laughs> Fifty-four international goals. Jeez. Uh, uh, what was her line? Official, official goals. There must be a lot of other goals that are <laughs> somehow unofficial. And uh, like I don't know, it was just a nice way to stitch that whole thing through. And then Amber Barrett and her dad, uh, and it was like. Um, and Chloe Mustaki and her fella. I didn't. Yeah, her fella. We were, we were, we had to go by that stage. But um, Amber's dad is like, you know, uh, one of the great Irish sports dads. It turns out, <laughs> just like Donny Gold character, just able to piece everything together. You know, like flawlessly. You can see, you can see where in the midst of her moment of like all-time great Irish sports moment, she was able to so eloquently mm. uh, capture the mood of her people and the country. She didn't lick it off a stone. Like um, you just seamlessly go from like telling a story that had you in stitches to the next moment she felt like crying, talking about Chris Luck and like what it meant for Amber to kind of pay that tribute to the entire community and what it meant for their family. It, it was a roller coaster of emotions, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, and uh, my little one looking like he's about to puke in the middle. Of it. This is inappropriate. Oh yes, this is inappropriate. <laughs> but it was just great, and I can see how they were. And then Gavin James played a few tracks at the end. There was something else in between. Nifahi, Louise Quinn, and Denise O'Sullivan also got up and right. did a bit of a chat. And then when Gavin James was setting up, they also did a Q and A with the audience. So it was a mixture of the players asking them questions, and then various different people that were just there as fans and supporters asking them questions. I did like at one point there was one of the girls from one of the football teams was like, "Is Katie a bossy captain?" And the entire yeah. team just erupted in laughter. And <laughs> Denise was just like, "I'll take this one." Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think like the, the, it's good to hear that Katie has the steely-eyed missile kind of focus last night. And the thing is, now it's three weeks today until that game against Australia, so you need to use that in a way like it's still a while out so you gotta I guess peak at the right time but it sounds like the team are starting to get over the fact that um, a lot of their friends have missed out in the squad and, and maybe just well, like, focus on the tournament they're used to this yeah. like, they, these, these are the best footballers in their school in their club team and up to the point where they're playing professional football now and they're used to like leaving people behind mm. to play on teams. Mm. So we're all like, oh, isn't it terrible? And it is heartbreaking. And like, you know, there's there's never been a squad where the people who are just left out going to a tournament are forgotten about in Irish football. Maybe 2016, like maybe actually, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Um, but generally, like, you become kind of quite famous because it's such a heartbreak for us, particularly the first tournament we've ever gone to. But the players are like, well... Oh. 
Yeah, that's because I, I get picked for a team week in, week out, and my friends don't get picked to play in the team. Mm. And I know it's different to go into a tournament, but actually, they're called hard killers. That's why they made it, and we didn't. Yeah. I guess that's the attitude that they have to have, you know. And uh, even for the likes of Jimmy Finn, I guess being on the standby list, it must be an awkward one because you're still technically involved. And there's also look the, the French game next week, and there are there is a a chance that someone gets injured or sick in advance of the eve of the tournament. So um, the likes of Jimmy Finn just have to, I guess, stay prepared and ready, which is an awkward position to be in because in the back of your mind you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be at the World Cup, but anything could happen in the next couple of weeks but it's not like we've talked about this since like the night in Hampden Park like someone was always going to miss out there was always going to be someone probably in that squad who was going to be an absolutely loyal servant to Irish football and who like trooped through the qualifiers was there for the disappointment of the Euros was there with a team through and through and was going to miss out and for a long time we didn't know who that was and it's really unfortunate that it is Jamie Finn for her for her family and of course the team are upset but like this thing that I didn't really understand all that much yesterday whenever I asked Vera at one stage you know did you have a, a moment to yourself where you got to tell someone like Izzy Atkinson or someone who like was young getting into the squad no one expected to actually be there and they're absolutely delighted and you know the excitement that there is and like it's our first ever tournament like I had listened to people for about an hour at that stage ask absolutely like doer questions and I was like has anyone forgotten that we're actually going to a World Cup and this is really exciting and it's really great for like especially the likes of Denise O'Sullivan and Kane McCabe who for so long we were like will they ever actually get the opportunity to show their talent and their skill at a major tournament and even that response got a kind of door answer and like Shane you saw me when I came back from UCD I was just a bit like god I feel like there's nothing to be excited or yeah. happy about and then the event last night kind of flipped that a little bit which was really nice because yeah, it should be a celebration at this at this point now yeah like, that's it now yeah. all that stuff is over there's a friendly against France then they get in the plane and away we go and like win, you, win the World Cup I mean you do you do forget that that we're playing we've got the group of death Olympic champions uh, home host nation who are one of the best teams in the world well as Denise O'Sullivan said last night I'm dreaming about those games I can't wait mm. like that's the, the attitude we should all bring in totally it totally is <laughs> um, Nathan was like oh, you know one of the best things about being Irish is that we get totally carried away and Vera was like yeah ha 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 no uh, we're playing <laughs> you know after we get out of the group then we have to play England and then after that, if we if we beat them, are we scheduled to play the the Yanks? Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know we only play England if we come second in the group. We'll we'll top the group and, and avoid them. That's the plan. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> Definitely don't get carried away at all. No. Uh, so the squads are in all the papers today. It's worth um, it's worth keeping them if you have kids who are going to start getting on the bandwagon or getting into uh, any interest in the football that's coming up over the next while because it's going to be wall to wall. So get on board the bandwagon. It's not too late. There's plenty of room for you. Uh, it's 7.40 this morning. Here's what's coming up between now. We're going to pick our team for the first game, by the way, in a moment. Our, uh, Kathleen's team. Sue Ronan is going to talk to us at 8. Alison Miller is going to do the depth chart for the back three at 8.20 for the Rugby World Cup. One JD, please, at 8.45. Make ours a double this morning. Debbie Burke coming in at 9 o'clock. And we'll play out with Paul Rouse at half past nine. At 7.41 this morning, a reminder, OTVAM Live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Eye Edition is available now. Who's starting for that? Uh, Ireland team, Kathleen? Um, so I'm, some positions I'm not entirely sure about, but I think it'll obviously be Brosnan in goal. I think 
McCabe will do left wing back because she'll take on Ellie Carpenter, which is going to be like probably the jewel of the game in the sense that if Ellie Carpenter can keep Katie McCabe quiet, then that will be annoying for us. But if not, she could do a little bit of a job. Ellie Carpenter is also a Katie McCabe style player who likes to scramble up the wing and kind of get herself in a forward position. Uh, I think Payne will be on the other side. Oh, sorry, and then in the back, I think it'll be Quinn, Fahey, Connolly. Um, Midfield is the one that I'm a little bit unsure about. So I'm pretty sure, judging by what Vera said tomorrow, Farrelly is fit and firing, which I think she is. I saw she was walking around last night with something on her wrist. It looked like a kind of support, but I assume that's not stopping her play too much at the moment. Uh, O'Sullivan. People are saying that this is a bit controversial, but I do think Shiva might start in midfield. I don't think Vera brings her, upsets the entire group, has the whole Jamie Finn thing for her not to be a starting player. Um, And then Carusa up front. How close is Amber Barrett to, to a start? This is the thing, I don't know, because I think that if you're looking at if Vera does actually try to play in the way that they did in the US I think Caruso is probably more suited to that setup and that Barrett will come on and be mm. able to make an impact um, because I think Caruso is more of that player that can melt into the midfield and help with that sort of battle if needed whereas Amber is probably better as an out and out forward um, So what was your formation? 5-4-1 Okay, and so the one is Caruso up front. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your right wing back? Um, Heather Bain. Okay. How do like so? Who's looking after Sam? K- is Sam Kerr someone you look after with a with, with a singular focus, as in a reducer early on? Is that what you're asking? Uh, well, maybe an overmars job. Yeah, possibly. Well, see, this is the thing because like uh, I have talked to a couple of Australians about this, and they're like, "Oh, the Irish are only focused on Sam Kerr, and like that's what we want, and that totally is what they want. They want us to like double marker." player out of the game and then Caitlin Ford will come in and score a screamer of a goal like there are far more talents in that team than just Sam Kerr and yeah it's really important to silence her and make sure that she doesn't make those runs in behind our defensive line and poaches the goals in the way that she can but also there's pro- like someone like Caitlin Ford for me, for me is a more technical player probably than Sam Kerr mm-hmm. and is able to play the ball in herself a bit more. Sam Kerr tends to like not wait for the balls to come into her, but like she's dependent on someone delivering her in good balls a lot of the time. And also uh, the frequency of them coming in. So like if you look at Sam Kerr's stats, the amount of balls she gets versus the one she actually scores is there's quite a disparity there so she actually misses quite a lot of shots but the difference is that she gets a lot of shots off so that's why she ends up getting a lot of goals um, so I think it's going to be a difficult one for us to kind of contain their general forwards Okay, mm. we'll come back to that a little bit later uh, Spectre of course says need more Mayo versus Dublin chat we'll do some of that with Davey Burke the Ross Common Manager he has obviously played both sides uh, in Champo this year so um, we will definitely ask him for his thoughts on that are people getting excited about this yet? Or is it just going to be a cakewalk? Are Mayo, are Mayo ready for this Dublin team yet? <laughs> I don't think it'll be a cakewalk. Um, like uh, The word chaos has been used a lot in the build-up to this game. Like I think it was a Lee Keegan and Jim Connolly were out for media this week and they were using that word and saying Dublin just need to avoid that chaos because once it goes to chaos, of course Mayo just lick their lips and, and enjoy it. Um, I, I, I personally think Dublin will win this game, but... 
it certainly will be a close one. Every Mayo fan I've talked to in the last couple of days since the draw was made is absolutely buzzing for this. Like, yeah. They're delighted with the draw. They were like, this well, is a team that we want to play. And uh, well, are they delighted because it's like a plausible excuse if they lose? I don't think I don't feel like Mayo minds work that way though. Like I they're, they do. I I think they're closer to like Irish football fans going to a World Cup tournament who are like, yeah, we're going to do Unreal and not actually acknowledge the realities of the situation. Uh, I don't. Know. I think most Irish fans going to a World Cup tournament know that we're singing "You'll Never Beat the Irish." Ironically, <laughs> like uh, I, I, Mayo have have a number of things from the go again that they have to address, like the the kickouts from from Colum Reap, like. The, the kick-out retention was horrendous. I know there was a strong wind in Salt Hill, so that has to be taken into account, but Galway's percentages were so much higher. Um, I, I just... Like when you look at that Dublin team... I, yeah, I think there's a possibility Dublin blow them, blow them away. I do think that, like, this could be one of those... Because, it, oh, it's never... It's never, it's never there have been a few times where it's just been, like, thanks very much, well, it, kid it, brother. All no. the talk has been... It's Dublin Kerry, Dublin Kerry, Dublin Kerry, but there is a stronger, far stronger chance for a quote-unquote upset on uh, on Saturday than the first game. Kerry-Tyrone, like... Tyrone are licking their lips for this one. Who are bigger? Who's a bigger price? I actually haven't checked. I'd imagine Kerry are marginal favourites. No, as in who's a, who's a bigger upset? Like what? Who's a bigger underdog? between those two games? Yeah, are Tyrone mm. bigger underdogs than Mayo? I, we'll, mm. I'll look that up for you in a minute. But um, yeah, that'll be a close one. But I just think Tyrone are starting to steamroll a little bit, starting to play well. The Donegal game, you can't really read too much into it again. A lot of wind in Valley Buffet, but it was a, a very impressive performance. And I mean, it's two kind of an brothers and McCurry shoot the lights out together on on one given day then I mean Kerry are going to struggle um, and this is exactly what Kerry <laughs> fans will want to hear they'll be la- probably laughing at me at the moment saying this but Tyrone are, are definitely geared up for this one uh, and I think it's going to be a far closer game than some people expect this could be this could be Kerry's championship over uh, and I know Anthony Moyles was kind of suggesting similar but I just think Tyr- Tyrone are they're there they're there and ready and um, it feels like almost a couple of years ago when, when Tyrone beat Kerry in that semi-final that nobody really expected that result um, so yeah I'd be interested to see and then of course you have the the big guns Monaghan and Armand the, the second game on Saturday there's, there's, like, it's hard to call any of the games even is, Derry Cork is Saturday a GA go day is it the, is it the whole it's day the, yeah okay. double, double right. GA go really interesting piece by Ian Mallon in the Examiner this morning um, he writes a really interesting business of sport column it's called The Pitch Inside the Business of Sport but today he's asking is GA go still a legitimate side business for RTE it hasn't really been sucked in. No one's made the, the connection to the whole D Forbes RTE Tuberty story, but this is the first time anybody's put it in print. D Forbes, of course, was on the board and may still be on the board of GEA Go, technically, because obviously they'd have to have a board meeting to accept her imminent resignation from that. And, you know, there's a corporate governance aspect to having two people from RTE on the board of GEA Go. We've been raising these questions. I think they confirmed to Bowles during the week that she had stepped down from it. Did they? Yeah. Right. Now, ha- I'm fairly sure they have to actually have a board meeting to accept it, you know, so she can she can tender her resignation, but the board actually has to meet to accept mm. that. I think, you know... As I said, uh, yeah, it was confirmed to Bowles that she has she no longer occupies the role and that she has resigned from all her offices. Right. That's what they said. Yeah, okay. Uh, just from a corporate governance perspective, mm. I wonder how they managed to do that. Did they have a did they have a board? How often does the board of GEA go meet? <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, it's uh, honestly it's a, it's a question because um 
So Declan McBennett, who's the head of sport at RTE and D Forbes, were the representatives of RTE as shareholders on the GEA Go board. And obviously there are other members of, um, there's several members of, of the GEA on the board as well. And it just never seems like, it never seemed anything other than a conflict of interest to have a broadcaster who's supposed to be in competition with a sports rights holder having a partnership that then decides who gets what games. Oh, and these are the questions that um, Ian Mallon is raising because on the 12th of July, on their traditional day, RTE, Virgin, <laughs> Sky, TG Car, and the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland are going to go before the Joint Oireachtas Committee for Media and Sport. Is that the same committee that was meeting yesterday? Is that the Media and Sport Committee? Or is it just the media? I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, the hearing is called The Future of Sports Broadcasting and um, he raises three key issues. Should all GEA coverage be free to air? Is the first question. Second question he asks: Were Sky Ireland's rights offered back to the market in an appropriate way? And three: Should RT have a fifty percent stakeholding in a private enterprise which rivals its own channels? Because it seems to me that you can't make a decision on behalf of that company, which also impacts your day job, mm. without bringing your day job's representation to the decision-making for that company, and, and that company is designed to make profits. Like, there's no two ways about it. The whole point of GAGO is to make profit and to provide a service and all that other stuff, but, like, it's, it's a private company. It's not, like, it's not a publicly funded company. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why RTE are shareholders in that, and that's what um, they're the questions that Ian Mallon is asking this morning. And it had kind of gone away for a while. Like, people were saying Michael Verney wrote a piece yesterday it hasn't gone away but it had kind of kind of seeped away I think because they, what they did last week obviously was they, they put the um, the Mayo Galway game on that was on the Sunday that was yeah. Sunday on TV yeah even though it wasn't supposed to be that was supposed to be on the Saturday and that was supposed to be on on GA Go but I think they realised that there would be too much of a backlash to that because the Talton Cup matches ended up being overshadowed by the fact that mm. RT had GA live on two channels mm. and uh, is that actually the best use of Public money having competing Gaelic football matches on the same time on the only two paid for free to air RTE broadcast channels is that good use yeah. of public money? The throw-in times were the were the confusing thing for me. There, I was like, why? Why are the Talton well, the Talton Cup games were two and four maybe? Yeah, and then yeah. three o'clock for like give give them different times. Like give people an opportunity if they want to watch both to watch both. Um, that was strange because you're kind of flicking back and forth if you're a down relief fan, and I guess we're paying for it all. Yeah, we're, we're paying for all of that as as taxpayers. So is the suggestion that some of those games should have been on Diego or well, the, a different channel? The Mayo game was supposed to. No, be. I know it was supposed to be, but like in an ideal world, would you see that on well, Diego or I, I, I personally give TG Cahir some rights? Or I mean, I think you could definitely like you could definitely. It depends what you're trying to do. Are you trying to get the most amount of eyeballs on the game to grow the game? Or are you trying to maximise the value of the rights? And that's a, a tension that an organisation like the GA has. And, and I would argue with the Sky deal, they managed it relatively well. And a lot of people didn't like the fact that Sky had rights. I thought that it was a perfectly legitimate thing to do for the GA. And I think I think developing GA Go is a perfectly legitimate thing for them to do as well. Like there are there there was a period where these games weren't being shown, and then they created a new package and they started to show extra games originally on Satanta with the league and then uh, subsequently uh, Air bought Satanta and then uh, they also created a package for Virgin um, 
TV3 back in the day. And then that TV3 package ended up becoming the Sky package, and then the Sky package becomes GA Go, and GA Go have loads more stuff as well. So I think it's perfectly legitimate for the GA to develop their own over-the-top broadcasting platform. That makes perfect sense as an organisation. What doesn't make any sense is that the taxpayer, through RTE, is funding that organisation and then competing against it and driving up prices of rights that we then have to pay for as a taxpayer. It just doesn't... It just... It, I, it's like... Maybe my brain is too small to work this out. And maybe smarter people are like, no, it's, it's perfectly fine for us to to be on one side of uh, negotiation and also be on the other. But I, I can't work that out because I've got a pea brain. <laughs> <laughs> this... Um this like this uh, this notion that the Diego controversy is going to go away anytime soon. You mentioned the Michael Verney article, and I guess the reason for that article this week is because we're going to have the greatest footballer of this generation in a massive game between Kerry and Tyrone, by the way, behind a paywall in an All Ireland quarter final, which doesn't make like maybe you could have picked the, the two. The, clearly, the two biggest games each day are Kerry Tyrone and Dublin Mayo. Maybe you put one game a day on on. Well, this this was behind a paywall uh, on the previous day with Sky. Now, quarterfinals, yeah. The quarterfinals have been under, the quarterfinals have been behind a paywall for ten years, or however long the Sky deal was. was the it? only difference with this now is that like you go into most homes, you go into most pubs. If that's where you're watching a game, you go into wherever it is. There's probably a Sky box there already. Mm. A lot of places don't have digital TVs that you can actually show Diego on, and that's the issue. Like yeah. that's and it, I don't think people will be I think part of the reason why people stopped talking about it as much I don't think it went away but I do think people stopped talking about it as much was because the football almost got to such a fever pitch that that became more of a story than the Diego side of things but I'd love to know what the discussions were within like Orti and the different stakeholders in Diego when they were deciding the whole thing like did they sit down and just think people aren't going to notice that we have a vested interest in this thing and they're not going to care and we're just going to go ahead or did they anticipate this sort of backlash or because the thing is like most people aren't actually even all that annoyed about the GA or T split interest in it like people are just annoyed about the fact that they feel like they can't access it I think it's more like a focus of the media like what where is this all coming from? Why do RT have such an investment in it? And I think for the average person, it's more like, oh, well, now I have to like get a TV that can hook up to Diego or whatever it is. It, that, that's the question. That, that, it's the access. Like, there was a debate on, on even my local radio station at home, Northern Sound, yesterday, where they're talking like people of a certain vintage are saying, like, you know, from Monaghan and from Armagh, who just can't watch the match. They can't get to Dublin and they can't work out how to watch the game. Uh, like, Similarly, Catherine Martin, the Minister of Sport, was getting complaints sent her direction into her office over the last few weeks. That was reported on last week. But and it also saying, shows like how spoiled, to a certain extent, we've been in our GA coverage over the last... There has been so many options. Like when, say, League of Ireland TV came out, people were delighted because they were like, oh, it's actually an opportunity to see more games and actually see more... And, like, technically... GA Go is giving us that opportunity it's just not been done massively well there was one incident last was it last week or the week before someone had said that like they were trying to get basically GA Go set up in a nursing home in, somewhere in the country where the county was playing I think it could have, been, could have been a Mayo match maybe a few weeks ago and everyone was excited they were like we'll get the GA Go set up but then sure, the Wi-Fi was nowhere near good enough in the nursing home to actually show the match so but that's like a structural problem with the country more than it is an issue with Diego like you couldn't get a sky satellite where I live for the last like five years yeah yeah, it brings up another discussion completely you know but um, but that's the thing it's like narrowing down into the actual issue of like that 
that sort of stuff isn't a Diego problem. That's a problem that our government hasn't put in the right mm. infrastructures in rural Ireland to make these things accessible, to make it... And, like, it did improve a little bit over COVID because more people were like, oh, I'm going to move out of Dublin and go to the west of Ireland and live there. Oh, there's no Wi-Fi. We should improve that or whatever. Like, it has made incremental changes, but that's not a fault of Diego when you're having these conversations. Like, it'd be one thing if the product itself wasn't working but that's a product of something else uh, the carpet man says people paying hundreds a year for sky etc yet moan about a few quid GA go go to the game then if you want to see it well, I mean the whole point I think is that uh, you can't go to every game because you know you have exterior lives and also lots of people can't travel for whatever reason uh, you mentioned nursing homes there um, you know but you do have to try and make this available to the most amount of people possible the, the software is getting better um, and our internet coverage is getting better. Like, there is now 4G slash 5G everywhere, so you can get it to your phone and you can cast it, but you do. it does take steps. That's the thing. Like somebody else was saying, if you want to watch Sky, you can pick up your remote control. It's far more difficult to set up GA, go on your TV. It's Edward Freeman. Uh, sorry, Ger, but you've advocated for this change in championship structure. The condensed nature of this new structure results in games clashing, says Michael. No, Michael, they literally moved... The, Mo- the Mayo Galway game from the Saturday to the Sunday so they could give it to free to air RTE that's what that's what happened the GA realised that this was going to be a massive shit show if that game wasn't available and they moved it uh, maybe there's another reason maybe there was another reason explained in the papers and if there is then uh, I, I can uh, we will correct the record on that on tomorrow's show but uh, you know there, there was that game could easily have been played on the Saturday there was no reason for it not to be played on Saturday. Yeah, and, and that, uh, sorry, that commentary talks about the people moaning for uh, paying a few quid for GA Go games. Look, I have paid for GA Go games. There have been occasions where maybe I couldn't get to a modern match, or there's another match that I want to see, and I'll, I'll happily pay the twelve quid. I also, I actually think that there's an issue there in that Kerry Tyrone for twelve euro or Armagh Monaghan for twelve euro is great value, but like it was the same price during the league for what Division Three and Four matches. On GA Go, like you're paying twelve quid for that as well. Yeah, so and clearly, that the people paying that amount of money is far less for those games than, than the uh, games. Uh, this obviously, m- way more people next year are going to buy the full year package because yeah. they realise that there's there's value to be had. Um, you know, you might watch seven games on GA Go over the course of the year, and then suddenly it's tenor as opposed to the twelve quid. Or maybe you'll watch maybe you'll watch all of them, and it's like a euro a game. Which mm. I don't know if anybody actually has the uh, bandwidth to do that. GA goes aimed at diaspora primarily. RTE should not have any ownership of it. It's just it's too cozy a relationship, really. Like, you know, um, you were asking, where, where was there? Did they not realise that people would be upset about it? I mean, you kind of look at the the arrogance of the decision making that's been going on in the organisation over the last couple of weeks in RTE, and you're like, well, you know, if someone shows you what they are, you got to believe them. <laughs> Uh, GA goes great since the start of the year says Kevy B I'm in Australia it's great to be able to watch the football at home regardless of the cost I hope it stays in place it's definitely going to stay in place and it's going to get bigger and better and like you know you can see them starting to develop uh, programming and it's exactly where the GA should be and I think ultimately people will realise you know a couple of things the the president of the GA walked away in the middle of an interview with Virgin Media when they asked him about this as opposed to saying no actually you know what this is really important to us it's important to us for this, 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 this and this reason. And yeah, there have been difficulties with it, but these are the teething problems of any organisation. Anytime a massive change like this happens, there's always going to be a backlash. And we have to listen to what everybody's saying. We've got to lobby government to improve people's access to broadband in rural communities. But, you know, we're, we're leaders in rural communities. We have facilities right there. I'm sure we can come up with something. Instead, literally walking away from the question 
and not being able to answer it speaks to an organisation that is unsure about why they're doing this and why they're following this course of action. And if that uncertainty is there at the top of the organisation, into that comes the columnists who are like, this is bullshit. Why, like, why, why are we... Why, we're not ready for this. Mm. So... Uh, I think they're. I think they absolutely are doing the right thing by having it. It makes no sense to be in competition with your main buyer of rights. Like they are your. They're, your, they're now your only potential buyer of rights for the main package, because you haven't uh, convinced Virgin or Sky to stump up money. So, like you're totally reliant on a single buyer in the market now. That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Anyway, uh, sorry. Um, and those those questions that Ian Mallon brings up as well. I am fascinated to see what. Um, what answers is RT especially come up with on, on 12th of July? I don't know who's due to go appear before. Maybe D Forbes will appear by that by then. No, she won't. She's, she's gone. Right? Still, we'd still like to hear some. some she won't be at that committee. Who, who's going to be at that committee? Is Declan McBennett? Well, I suppose we don't really know the, the, who's, who exactly is going to be at it, but certainly RT will have to have a. McBennett is expected. Okay, so it'd be fascinating to hear the answers to those three questions in particular. Um, He's basically giving them the answers there, though. Um, someone from whom would be most interesting here would be the RT Director of Content, Jim Jennings, an executive who so far has managed to remain outside of the Toberty conversation, but who signs off sports rights at the network. So, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, not everyone has season tickets to McHale and Croke Park, like me, Carpet Man. It's not cheap, says Spectre Court. That was in response to the ones, women should just go to the games. Uh, GA clubs can show games for their members who struggle to view. It's pretty simple, says Michael. That would certainly be a, a big solution, you know. Like, uh, I'd say many GA clubs are showing games, are they? Uh, maybe anecdotally, you could tell us in the comments. You can tweet us at Off the Ball AM or you can tell us in the YouTube comments. Uh, is it too obvious to have some on TG Car? Like, it. I, I mean, uh, it would seem that certainly having another buyer in the market, although also state funded, would be good for diversity, would be good for better coverage. Like, there's no way that RTE coverage would have improved if Sky hadn't come in and done loads of stuff. And they, the, the, there's a complacency about the coverage, I find, so often. Where it's like nothing changes and then suddenly somebody new to the market comes in and like, oh, we can do that too. Mm. Well, we have, we have the same... The, the, like I remember like super slow mo eventually coming in you're like oh wow great it feels like years. RT is kind of dependent on the big name pundits rather than the actual product of well how are we going to break down and analyse the game and that's what Sky got so right and their um, big name pundits aren't good anymore and but I have to say and, and, and sorry like I, wa- I had to watch the and, and again look the Diego was aimed very much you can see, see by the comments of the diaspora but also people within the country just as you said you have lives and have to, can't get to the I couldn't get to the Kildare Monaghan again for example had to watch it in Diego and like the coverage was brilliant like you have Michael Murphy Aaron Kernan Michael Meehan with Gronje McAwain and the punditry, there's no complaints about the punditry on GA. Oh no, it's better. And the actual it, analysis is class. It, it's it's better. Yeah, it's not. It, it's better. Like for sure. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. No. Uh, would it be possible for Sky to host GA Go as its own channel rather than having to go through an app? They're going to get a. They're going to get uh, an app on the TV, and maybe eventually they'll just get a, a listing. But like, if you were Sky and the GA come to you and say, um, the GA and RT come to you and say, oh, so we know, you know, you know, we. We're not gonna, but we'd love to use your platform to get to. I mean, maybe Sky would be like, "Yeah, that's fine. That's that's just business. That's no problems." Maybe they'd be the bigger uh, in that instance, and maybe maybe that'll happen. Uh, hi lads, I live in Portugal. Love Diego, fantastic product, really good quality. I just connect the laptop to the TV with a HDMI cable. It's not that hard. I mean, in in fairness, all TVs basically have HDMI cable, so that's also a pretty easy thing to do. Um, and then the last one for now Molly McGann journey dates for the live dadcast our baby hasn't arrived and my partner is puking me already to go lol I think uh, I mean is it puking or 
poking. Mm. Uh, so we're, we're I slip. think we're aiming for November, uh, but we'll try to confirm that in the next uh, few days. But uh, if anybody is interested, uh, dadcast.offthewall.com will stick you on the list. Right. Um, after this short break, Sue Ronan is going to talk to us about the Republic of Ireland. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. It's Galway versus Kilkenny. But not as you know it. It's the fastest I've ever seen you on in your life, Hurling just... <laughs> Pod Live is off to the Port Gosh Energy Theatre in Dublin this July. And you're invited. I'll be joined by my co-host James Scale and Paul Murphy on the night. Start the leveller, he'd say, and the tractor is coming after us. <laughs> as we debate the highs and lows of the 2023 season and preview the All-Ireland Hurling Final. Plus, we'll be announcing some more hurling legends to take the stage with us. It was a rook. I got confused. <laughs> it's happening on July 20th at the Gosh Energy Theatre. It's an exclusive off-air event. Tickets are limited, so don't delay. Go to offtheball.com forward slash events for more. Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. This is what inter-county hurling is, is it? <laughs> Why should I stay the rugby? OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Right, Sue Ronan, good morning to you. How are you? How is it going, lads? All good? Yeah, pretty good. Um, we were talking about the, the switch from... Um, so all the back pages today are talking about Vera Pau and how difficult it was for her to make the decision, but uh, the back pages aren't aware of the fact that last night in the Mansion House, the team gathered, Vera was there, all the friends and family were there, and they had an incredible night where they reflected on the journey that they've been, but also there was just this palpable sense of excitement and expectation. So sport is really cruel for the people who are going to be left behind, but for the people who are on the plane, this is the moment of a lifetime, and that's really where their focus needs to be now. No, absolutely. And I mean, look, my first reaction or the first thing I want to say is I want to congratulate all those that have made the squad. Um, it's a fantastic achievement. You know, they're on the world stage now for the first time at a, at a major finals. Matches are going to be beamed into every living room worldwide. Like there'll be billions watching this tournament. Um, and if they do well, it could change their lives, you know. But of course, we want to remember those that have missed out, uh, commiserate with them. It is a tough time for them. They're going to need a lot of support uh, in the coming days from those close to them. Um, but, you know, I, I think we do have to focus on those that have actually made the squad now. And looking at the squad, I mean, like it is a strong squad. Uh, it's well balanced. Um, there's probably a nucleus of players that have been there for a long, long time that probably picked, picked, itself, picked themselves. Uh, we've got some real quality in the squad. And I've said it before, we world class players in O'Sullivan and Katie McCabe. I mean, they're just super players. Um, but there's a real mix there as well of experience, of youth. Uh, you have versatile players who can play in different positions and that's really important in a tournament scenario um, and apart I suppose from one or two new faces it, it has been pretty settled in the last year or two um, so I'm still confident that we'll do well in, in our group I really am um, I, There's a couple of things I, I want to talk about before we get into the, the nitty gritty of the squad uh, in the middle of so uh, Vera and Katie McCabe were the first guests on last night and in the middle of it um Vera made one of her analysts or, or backroom team stand up and, and pointed out the incredible work that they'd done. And then she told a story about when Scotland played Austria in the qualifiers. Uh, it was the, the playoff situation. We knew we were going to play one or the other. And she asked for three scouts to be sent to the game. And, you know, normally you send one scout to a game. And she'd asked for three, which is obviously a request for resources. 
and there was no question it was 100% straight away this is Vera's story and then uh, the three scouts went to the match and worked through the night so at 9 o'clock the next morning all of the technical analysis had been done um, the start of this story was actually Katie McCabe saying that she was looking over uh, Courtney Brosnan's shoulder on the bus on the way to Hamden Park and Brosnan was looking at penalties and specifically the uh, positioning of where the penalties would be taken and McCabe was like oh, she's on it tonight and then lo and behold Brosnan saves a penalty in the first half and McCabe in the run up goes she's going to save this I know because I've, I've been watching it but apparently all that work had started in the immediate aftermath of the Scotland-Austria game where the three scouts had stayed up worked through the night and provided the information for the team the next morning who were then ready to go and I just thought like this is chalk and cheese between the level of preparation that went in in Saipan when the men's team were last in the World Cup and the distance that we've travelled and sometimes you know we can still get stuck with the ah oh, the FAI blah blah but actually th- there was a troop of people who came in with the management team last night and it was as big a backroom team as you're going to see in, in any professional sports environment and it just felt like they're being given every chance and so we should pay proper testimony to the FAI and to Vera for driving those standards and for everybody who's involved yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we've spoken about it here before. I mean, the team have everything they need to have around them now. Uh, unfortunately, they had to make a huge stand years ago, we all know, um, to really get those resources. Um, and, and things have definitely pushed on and moved on since then. I mean, we, they have their standalone uh, um, sponsors now. And uh, you've probably all seen the incredible videos that have already been, um, been put out by Sky about the, the, the squad announcement and just in terms of, you know, little girls watching them. But they have everything they need. And, and you know, Vera wanted three um, scouts at that match. She got it and they did their job and they, I'm sure they were up all night dissecting every piece of, of the Scots and the Austrians, of course, at the times. We didn't know who we were going to be playing. And then every player would have been fully prepared going into that game and knowing exactly what they needed to do, knowing exactly what their opponent or their likely opponent was going to do. And that's the level we're at now and that is elite sport. And if you want to do well, if teams want to do well, you must have those resources around them. Um, I mean, Vera mentioned yesterday... Uh, looking at stats in terms of, I know we'll talk about selections in a minute, but that was one of the, the, the areas she, she helped the, her and, and her staff in terms of looking at Leanne Kiernan. And they have all the sports scientists uh, around them now. They've they've the best medical staff. They, they, they want for nothing, really. you know. So all they need to do, I guess, now, from the player's point of view, is go out on the pitch and perform to the best of their ability. And the staff have to prepare them to do that. So it's great to see. I know your name as well, so you got to mention last night along with the other previous um, national team managers. Like it, it, it must be nice. You must feel a part of this in 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 some strange way as well, because everything that's come before uh, has been so important to getting us to 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 where this team is at now. No, absolutely. And look, you know, it even goes back further than me. Um, you know, there was managers way before my time and managers that I played under and, and indeed volunteers. And I think the volunteers sometimes are overlooked. You know, there's a huge volunteer culture in women's football back in the day when the FAI didn't want to know um, and didn't put any money, didn't even look after the national teams. I mean, volunteers literally put their put hands in their or pocket, the hand in their own pocket or, you know, held fundraising events to actually literally put international teams out. And and I remember in my very first game, we went to Sweden and the coach at the time was Fran Rooney, actually. He could only bring 13 players because of resources. So he chose not to bring a second goalkeeper. Oh, and, and again, I know that's a, another thing we probably discuss now because it's light years away from that now. But he wanted to have two outfield players on the subs bench 
And of course, what happens? Murphy's Law, in the first five, ten minutes of the game, the goalkeeper gets injured and an outfield player had to go in. But, you know, that's what happened back in those days. That's what we were up against. And there was a lot of people that were breaking down barriers over the years. And unfortunately, you know, under the old regime and the FBI, we're getting nowhere. But things thankfully have changed and they've gone in the right direction now. It's such a transformative moment, like, for Irish sport and because uh, again a really excellent point Nathan made uh, pre-Covid there was a 20 by 20 event and uh, it was he said there was 15 or 20 of our best female athletes were, were there and everybody was pointing at Sonia who I think was there and was saying that she was the the kind of main icon in their uh, life as a, a child growing up and he was making the point that now like there are heroes in Gaelic football, there are heroes in rowing, there are heroes in boxing, there are heroes in... But the football team, like, we know how important football is in galvanising the whole country, and we're about to have a tournament. So it's such a transformation, and it has... I think that... I'm not sure we fully understand that, like, we're in the midst of that transformation, and it's still got a bit to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, again, I saw on social media the other day scenes that were reminded me of Italia 90 or, or Euro 88 when Ireland qualified for the first major tournament. You had send-offs, parties down in um, Denise O'Sullivan's street. They were outside our house singing. There was pipe playing, there was bunting everywhere and you're going to see that all around the country and you know it's really exciting and I think you know yes there was disappointment the last couple of days, players missed out, of course there was and that'll be there for a while and we'll all talk about it and dissect it but I think the squad now is there, they're, they're picked, they're settled and you know it's just going to be fantastic, the send off when they're down there, just the, the word coming back from the camp, you know from, from the different media outlets, it's just going to bring us all together I think it galvanises and hopefully in terms of women's football it really pushes it on in this country and I absolutely think it, it, it can be the catalyst for greater growth than we've even seen. What was the biggest surprise in yesterday's squad announcement for you, Sue? I think uh, probably the same as everybody. Um, I think Jamie Finn, both actually, Jamie and, and Leanne, uh, they were the biggest surprise for me uh, being left out. Um, I suppose... Leanne was coming back from injury um, and I'll talk about her in a second. Jamie was fully fit from what I I gather. Um, She's had a great season at Birmingham. She's a very versatile player in my view. Um, She's been involved right through the campaign. As we've said, she started early, you know, like the big game against Sweden where we drew nil all away and she, she played against Scotland also. Um, I think she was only left out of one or two games for yellow card reasons during the campaign, you know, so she's a vital cog. Um, and I think Vera even commented uh, only last year how important she was to the team against strong opposition because of what she does. And if you remember back to the, the two friendlies against Australia and Denmark, particularly against Denmark, she was a really vital player in the midfield screening that ball, not getting through to the, da- the Danish uh, um the Danish top player, Pernilla Harder, who's their number 10 as such. And she just had a great game that day. She could have even been man of the match. So for her not to feature um, was a real disappointment. was a surprise, sorry. Yeah, it was a real disappointment, I'm sure, for her, of course, and family, etc. But from my point of view, very surprised that she didn't make it. Um, yeah, Leanne then was the other one. Like for me, Leanne is an out-and-out goal scorer, I think, she offers something different maybe than than what we have. She's scored goals at every level she's played. 
um, at underage level. She's she scored a lot of goals for Liverpool in the Championship. I know she's had a, 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 a bad injury this year, you know, but I think she's done a lot to get herself. From what I hear, she's worked really hard to get back fit. I know she hasn't played much football, but unfortunately that first half I suppose against Zambia didn't do her any favours in general the team were poor um, she had a few heavy touches herself but for me with three weeks to go to that Austria game she, you know for to get her back to fitness I would have personally had her in the squad because I just think she offers us something different off the bench but look at the end of the day as we said before coaches see different things they're working with the players every day so we have to go with what the coach uh, has picked I know Jimmy Finn, of course, made the standby list. Uh, that, that word you used, Sue, about Jimmy Finn, versatility, that, I think that's what surprised most people because I guess at a World Cup, you never know who's going to get injured, maybe having a player who can play a number of multitude of different positions, as Jimmy Finn has clearly demonstrated she can do. Um, that seems to be the real reason why it's such a surprise because those are the players you need at tournaments. No, absolutely. And Jamie can. She can play as a holding midfielder. Um, as we mentioned, she played that in that position in a couple of games. She can also play fullback um, and wing back as well. Like she, she, she I'm sure she, she. I'm not sure. I've seen her play wing back. I've definitely seen her play fullback. But you know, she's a very fit girl. She, I think she's a. Per, she was a personal trainer um, before she went full time uh, in England. So she's very, very fit. Um, yeah, she, she's very good at holding the ball. She's very good at passing. It's just a huge disappointment for her and a big surprise. But again, it's testament to her and her character. She came out with a beautiful tweet last night. You know, she was still, her, her, her ambition, of course, is to get back in the team. She's, it is a little consolation to her. It's a bit of a consolation, I guess, that she's in that traveling reserve. And look, you never know what's going to happen with two matches to come, a couple of weeks of training. She could, might still, uh, squeeze in. You don't want to wish anyone, of course, uh, you know, bad or an injury on anybody, but there is that potential for her. She's still on the plane, I guess. But when you look at Leanne, unfortunately, her, 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 um, dreams have been crushed for now. So look, elite sport, unfortunately, that's the nature of it. Um, the, the, the coach and, and the, her, her staff, I've no doubt they sat down and Vera said it herself. They sat down for many hours, night and day, probably sleepless nights. I'm sure they, they all put their cards on the table. They all made valid points, you know, all the backroom staff. It would all have been dissected. They would have looked at, okay, who's our starting 11 if everyone's fit? Who's our next best players in the different positions? Then who can we move around? Maybe who's fit? All those things come into it, and um, unfortunately uh, for for Leanne, she's lost out. Uh, and yeah, Jamie has a half a chance, I guess. But yeah, they both lost out in the squad, so they were probably the two big surprises for me. Um, the fact that the game is a sellout, eighty thousand, that it's the opening fixture against the host nations. Like, look, this might go badly for us there's a there's a range of outcomes here from uh, three famous one-all draws that get us through somehow uh, to two one-all draws and a victory uh, to you know it, it could be Euro 2012 where we're uh, singing songs and everyone's like why, why are we singing in celebration and it's a funeral song but look at the same time we're in this sweet spot now where actually you know what we've got some world class players and something magical might happen 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I said it earlier, we do have world-class players. And I mean, we need to start believing that if we don't already, or those who, who maybe don't see it, we do have world-class players. Um, and, you know, we have players that are really, really good that you might necessarily say world-class players, but they're excellent players as well. And the players are playing at the top level in England. We've players now with huge experience. I'm delighted to see Neil Fahey back in the squad. I have to say I'm delighted she's fit. I think she adds a huge amount, uh, not only in terms of versatility, but, you know, she's such a good player. She's such a great reader of the game. She's so much experience. She'd be great, a great leader around the squad also. But I firmly believe we'll come out of that group. I really, really do. Um, I've already bought tickets for uh, the knockout games, but um, I, I firmly believe we'll come out of that group. You know, we've avoided the really, really te- tough top teams, maybe top five or six in the world, where it's difficult to get a result. I mean, you look at the two games against USA. We played brilliantly in those two games, but unfortunately we lost. They found a way to win. England are similar. Germany are similar, Spain are similar, France, you know, after that, maybe Japan probably also. But after that, like, you know, we have top teams in the group, but they're definitely not unbeatable. And, and I can see us coming out of the group. I really can. Well, that, that would certainly get the bandwagon rolling too. That's that's exactly what we need. We love we do love an L bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely do yeah no for sure I think look it's time now you know unfortunately there is disappointment there but we need to get behind the squad we need to start galvanising and, and you know celebrate them uh, because they're going to do us proud in, in, in Australia I'm certainly looking forward to the tournament One, one last thing um, nobody's thinking about the Euros and Euro qualification but the age profile of the squad with the exception of the few elder states people that you've um, you've mentioned is is actually pretty good like there's this team is going to be around the profile is going to grow this is a very sweet spot for them absolutely yeah no for sure and i mean the group we got unfortunately we're not in the the a group of the nations league you know um so like the the, the group we got uh, you know i can't see is not winning any of those games i'll be totally honest honest with you so yeah and the experience the players are going to have from the world cup hopefully from a world cup where they've done really well they're going to come back they're, they're going to be raring to go against uh hungary albania and, and northern ireland and you know i i'd expect us to be getting full points in those games and pushing on and going up a, going up a level then for, for 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 next year's competition. And sorry, does that uh, pardon my ignorance here? It, is it the same as the men's, where that guarantees us at least a playoff for the Euros if we do top the group? I think so. I'm not 100 percent sure because I know this is the first time they've introduced it as well. So I need to read the nitty gritty myself. But they did say they were basing it on the men, so I would hope it does. Um, but I definitely need to look into that. And in retrospect, that's actually the best thing is to be in that. Because then, you know, you come off a winning series, you top your group, and then you go into the qualification group. And by that stage, you've improved your seeding. So you get the benefit of actually having the wins and the confidence slash momentum and, um, you know, uh, playoff. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe it's not the worst thing. Things are looking good, I think. Sue, good stuff. Thanks a million. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Sue Ronan there, former Republic of Ireland manager, talking to us about the World Cup squad and the event last night, which I, I, I can't speak highly enough. Um, full credit to Sky for uh, making everybody available and for the support that they've given the team. The the new ad is, is out. I don't know if uh, everybody's seen it, but like that whole point about uh, the visibility and uh, kids dreaming, they've captured it really, really well. Mm. And um, I just last night, I don't know how much of it is actually going to ever make it to air. I think... That was kind of the whole point of it. Uh, I suspect some of it will. 
but um, keep an eye out on our social channels and on the radio for it. I do think when people, yeah, and kind of referenced it there, the, like 2017 in Liberty Hall, like if you had thought just six years ago... It's incredible. Like we would have a post like shared widely. Th- thousands of people sharing that post yesterday when the squad was finally announced that lovely video that the FAI put up. Um, it's just such a turnaround in, in six years. And the interest as well, like you talk about visibility, even over the last couple of years, to see the likes of Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan and Amber Barrett on the sides of buses around the cities and, and even on billboards as well and just being spoken about in TV advertisements and, and actually covering it properly. Like we, we've reached a point now in women's sport where we're just analysing it as sport, um, which is fantastic. So, I mean, six years ago, you could not have convinced me or anyone, I think, that we would be in this position. So, really, really exciting few weeks ahead. Yeah, an incredible turnaround from uh, Liberty Hall all the way to... It's going out on air this evening. Nathan just told me. So, the whole uh, large parts of it are going out on air this evening. It's really, like, if you want to feel good about life, tune in this evening um, to Nathan and Ashling talking to members of the Republic of Ireland squad uh, some legends of uh, Irish women's football and more besides uh, OTBAM Live which will let get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Art Edition is available now we haven't mentioned the fact that Arsenal are on a spending spree at the moment mm. so the Declan Rice deal he's doing a medical they've, they've given him permission to do a medical which means it's basically yeah okay look we'll, we haven't fully accepted it but we accept it we, we're taking your 100 million and the extra 5 that you've sweetened the pot with there was just one part of me and I'm I'm sick I, I don't want to do this here we go I don't want to do this do it though well like the top two expensive most expensive British players of all time are now Declan Rice and Jack Grealish mm. and you're like fuck me yeah pardon my French <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that I hadn't thought of that it struck me about Rice yesterday just yeah. in the papers today is like the list is like number one number two and I'm like oh my god Anyway, uh, it's done. I'm finished. But then, sorry, I'm the back. millions have been added to their price tags because they're ah, yeah, English. Whatever, English whatever, whatever, whatever. I know. Guess right, Gary Neville spoke in, um, in March. He was asked, what's, what, what's Declan Rice worth? And he said, 50 to 60 million. So the fact that now we're looking at almost, almost, almost double that. Sorry, double that if you're, if you're looking at the, the lower estimate of, of his valuation. It's, um, it's certainly overpaying for Declan Rice, in my and, opinion. And I would say for Kai Havertz. Now, we're yeah. going to do some work on the Kai Havertz thing, right? Because my instinct, like a lot of people's instinct is, that's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Mm. And so where, where's he going to play? Is he going to play... Is he, is he going to play in Gabriel Jesus' position? Is he going to play in Martinelli's position? Is he going to play in Odegaard's position? Where's he going to play? Yeah, he probably compliments Odegaard to an extent, but like, like does he? Well, I don't know. He he certainly wasn't used in his best position at Chelsea, like as a false nine. Was he not? Well, I don't think so. Like, I really think he was. You watched enough of him at Leverkusen to come to that conclusion? Did you? No, but I mean, he he certainly never reached the heights at Chelsea that he should have reached. Why based not? On, well, based on what though? There's probably turnover of managers there as well as an issue. Like uh, he, okay, but like, he never got comfortable in the team. Okay. Um, his goal scoring record was nowhere near where it's not good. Maybe that should have been. But maybe that's where. Maybe that. Maybe maybe he doesn't score all the goals he's expected to. A lot of lot of money they're spending on a lot of on like not a lot of players on two players. Funny though, you trust you trust Arteta. And, I don't. Uh, and the and the. I don't. No. No way. One season. No, but I, th- I think Arsenal... Anyway, we've got to go. We're getting, I'm, getting, I'm getting in my ear here. So the Arsenal fans, come on. Let us let's know. Be, let's be having you. Don't miss all the action in Rugby Daily today in your OTB Podcast Network, bringing you everything you need to know about rugby. Get your favourite local restaurants delivered to your door with Deliveroo. Just open up the app, browse some great offers, take your pick, and they'll take care of the rest. Deliveroo. Food. We get it.
We're doing our depth charts in advance of the uh, Men's Rugby World Cup. Alison Miller, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, you played sevens, didn't you? I did, yeah. So the men have qualified for the Olympics and the women have qualified for the Olympics. This is, uh, as, in terms of, this is basically justification for the whole project, right? Oh, yeah. Like, in fairness to Amanda Eddie, like, I suppose we'll criticise him for the work that he did, maybe with the women's 15s game. He did really, out of himself, I suppose, Dave News 4, really um, brought that sevens programme into where it is now and, and fair play to those guys because you have two teams that have qualified and especially the women qualifying off the series. Like, they had, other, they had other two other attempts to qualify the men, qualified through the Euros. So, great work, the two of them in there. So, um, yeah, it'd be exciting to see the two teams do it and hopefully they can push on and be looking at medals. Let's look at the uh, the depth chart that you picked for us. So the, the, we're looking for the back three here. Um, I think everybody knows who our first choice fullback is at the moment. Speaking of the sevens, it's Hugo Keenan. He is absolutely imperious. There's been no sign of his form dipping at any point. Touch wood. I'm not trying to um, attempt anything. But after that, you've gone for Jimmy O'Brien, number two, and Mac Hansen, number three. Yeah, it's a very... You're looking at the, the players in the back three. It's very wing-heavy. And, uh, you know, like... You're looking at, like, you're talking about Keenan, like, you know, I love the way he plays, his speed endurance, his high speed meters to, to cover that ground, to to, to work into, you know, attacking and defensive positions. Um, like, we can go through all the things we can go through in a few minutes, but I'd probably be looking at Jimmy O'Brien, quite a similar player than Keenan, probably not the finished article yet in terms of that development, but, like, um, good player, he'd be my number two Hansen is there really in like he's not like he's playing a little bit of fullback for Connacht um, albeit at le- like lesser opposition like his skill set would suggest that he could do a job there like his his aerial skills his playmaking ability but I don't think to be honest we're going to see him there at fullback in the World Cup unless something happens but but that'll be my thinking on it when but very wing heavy yeah. like most of your players there are your wingers, you're looking at Matt Hansen winger, James Lowe winger, Jimmy O'Brien played mostly on the wing, Nash winger, Earls winger, Stockdale winger. I know Stockdale has played 15, but it probably didn't work out the way we would hope at the time. So then really only Keenan and, and O'Brien then can do a job there for you. So when we're not playing in the uh, the big, big games at the World Cup and they're resting Hugo Keenan, which never seems to happen. He basically has played more minutes, I think, than anybody else I, 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 certainly there was a, a period where he had the most minutes under um, Andy Farrell than anybody What? so who, who will play will it be O'Brien do you think like is he the we're resting Keenan for this week because we've got South Africa O'Brien. next I play O'Brien now the only thing is we've seen Keenan like play most games and play most minutes in a Six Nations where you're trying to win a competition and you short turnaround so like in this tournament when you've got your no disrespect to your weaker teams. Yes, you might see someone different coming in and playing that 15. And that's what you'd hope to see. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one there, like because Stockdale's played 15, but he's been so out of form recently. And it'd be interesting to see, can he get that form back? Like form is an interesting thing. I had to go back last night really to, it's nearly like I'd forgotten what Stockdale could do. And I know that kind of sounds strange, but I had to kind of go back and look at clips from him playing and I was like, wow, like what that boy can do. So 
like can he get his form back even for that wing position like looking at the tries that he scored like he, he intercept his uh, chips over the top the lines he ran his evasive skills I know there was always an issue over his defence which he he ironed out but it's nearly one of these things that more in any sport you're trying to chase get your form back and try and get back to your work and the more you nearly try the less it happens so I wonder would it just come back for him and I don't know how he's training at camp but it'll be interesting to see can he can he get that flow back because when you watch when you watch there was a highlights reel I was watching last night he's just in flow and that's to talk about sports person when they're playing well he's in flow so that would be my thinking on it now people probably differ but I would be starting O'Brien if, if we're, when we're not starting Keenan he's also 27 Jacob Stockdale Allison. so like you know if he can regain even some of that form from 2018 like we can have him for this World Cup and look he'll only be 31 for the for the next World Cup as well so for the next coming years he's got to be so important to us, to us as you say if he can regain some of that yeah and like the thing about the wing is and like he would have been like you know a, to me like a winger that I like looking at as speed but like I, I would be looking at him and I think in his probably his general speed his pace up like the, the mark reactions is all a bit off and I think if you're a winger and those things are only even a slightly bit off you're not finishing you know it can be a big difference in like whether your ability to, to beat someone or finish and it can only be a little bit off compared to other positions because you are you are that pace in a team so at the moment, like he could be a little bit off, but that that could make a huge difference in in not being able to do the things that he can do. And I know that sounds like, well, it's, it's a tiny bit off, but you think of a sprinter in athletics, and if if they're off, they're off. But in the general terms, of things it's probably not huge, not huge times, like you know, point something of a difference. But in that position, I think that's what I'm looking at him now. He looks sluggish compared to what he looked at, if, if that makes sense. Like he had just looks a bit. Horrific injury problems. Uh, if they're yeah. and here's the thing: the Ireland setup obviously know what he's capable of because they've been there when he's done those things. We had um, James Ryan doing his. You had to be there, and he said he was like world class at uh, the chip through and regather, and he picked the, the try that he scored against the All Blacks, which when you go back and look at it is actually unbelievable. Like we. And I'd, I'd ask anyone to go back and look at these because it has been a little bit that you kind of nearly forget. And like, there's not not only just the chip throughs, but like, I was looking at his in and out, you know, to the defender, bringing the defender in and out, like those small things, the nuances of a winger, you know, his fend, um, the lines running off like nine and ten, those ghost lights coming through, come, like those strike runners that the wingers run. And they're they're so good. So I think that's yeah. I think if you've got a player like that, and I think it's testament to the the management. You like you know that's in there. You just have to try and get it back somehow and get that form back. And yeah, sorry, it was obviously James Tracy who also had James Ryan on his list. That was why I was getting mixed up. Yeah. But um, the point about uh, the that, that I think that that's the exact point that they they obviously feel like they don't think it's a lost cause because there's actually loads of other competition for the wing slots that they could be thinking about putting on the plane but they're like if we get Stockdale back to where he was we can play him instead of any of the rest of the wingers and it's not going to be a significant loss whereas if Stockdale's not at that level 
then the first choice wingers and we've got Lowe and we've got Hansen who are you know spoiler alert they're your number one in the two spots like if, if Stockdale is where he used to be then we don't mind if either of those are injured but if he's not then it's a massive step down yeah and I think yeah like they're looking at his, what his baseline was and like you can get him back to that ability and you know there's competition there and he is different like he's different to like you look at Lowe like his like his big strength that left boot his ability to exit first I know he had some difficult moments in the Champions Cup final you know that was different when he's trying to exit but like James Lowe that, that roaming winger get off his wing like he'll be hovering in around the, the back of the rope running those lines off 9 and 10 he's sometimes nearly plays like a, an extra back rower he's a bit like he's a strong carrier in around the tight as well like the small nuances like he'll be tackled he'll release the ball he'll get back on his feet he'll gain a few metres and his big fend his defence has improved a lot over the last few years and um, you know it, obviously James Lowe offloading ability the ability to bring other people into the game and like Hanson he's comfortable start, um, standing in at first receiver and, and you know Andy Farr likes those wingers he likes the wingers that, that get off their wing and get involved and add value and add work rate and I think, um, you know, they're all different when you look at them. And sometimes not majorly different, but like you can go through every winger and, and they are different. They have their different strengths. But um, yeah, I just still, the only thing that would kind of not worry me, but they're mostly wingers who've played a bit of fullback. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, I, maybe O'Brien, like uh, when he was coming through, could play basically anywhere and has played 13 so maybe he's the most likely to, to step in you've, yeah. you've got Lowe for the 11 you've got Lowe Stockdale number 2 and Earls 3 they obviously love Keith Earls and I think we all understand exactly why yeah. they've given him you know they, they announced ages ago that he was going to have a contract to the end of the World Cup and then he comes back from injury uh, and has this glorious final game final moment uh, at Munster we think Unless he, unless he goes back to Munster and plays another couple of seasons because he doesn't look like he's lost a step. Yeah, like he's 34, 35. Is he 34 or 5? I think he's 35. I'll do a quick Google here. You keep talking. Do, do a quick Google there. I think he's th- probably 34 or 5. But 35. Unfor- 35, is it? Like, unfortunately, that's kind of in around the time <laughs> <laughs> when you're playing that you, you're starting to lose that little bit of speed. And, but, like, obviously he's injured. But I would have him there and with his experience and like everything that he's done and and just his ability I think he could still give you one last push I think he's got that ability I know of him down there at three but that's taken into consideration he has been injured we, we haven't seen, seen him play much a game time yeah he has one good game but like that's not consistent but at the same time with his experience and with his mindset and everything that he's been through, I wouldn't put it past him to give us one last push in a World Cup and get the most out of himself and use that experience to... like He's he's defended every position, or not every position, he's sorry, every scenario that he's had to defend, being a winger. Like, you know, you'll be put up with these difficult situations in games and, you know, your experience will get you through that too. And, and if he can... You nearly have the mindset, this is my last World Cup. And, and you can nearly, like, I felt when I was retiring and I couldn't have, I didn't have much in me left, but I felt like you could pull together for, you know, your one last goal and, and get the most out of yourself. And I think he can do that. I think he can do it. But, like, 
it's not guaranteed. But I same time I think he's he's someone that you have there and is capable of pulling out. There's the leadership. There's the leadership aspect as well, Alison. With that, like he won't want to hear this, but even if he's not playing, you know, having someone of his personality type around the team hotel at a tournament like a World Cup for weeks on end, that that's yeah, like vital. The ultimate professional, and you've young guys there that could learn a lot from him, and you know he would be that ultimate professional that might not play, but has a really positive impact in the group. And as you say, is, is that leadership person there that? Then pulls it together, but I still think like on the pitch, don't like I know I have him number three, but I, at the same time he's there, there in the background, and um, he could do a job for you, you know. So he's not going as a mascot, basically. He's not just for the the crack around the place. No, like, no, yeah. like no, yeah, and like yeah, like you bring someone leadership, but you don't bring them if you if you don't ever intend them to play. Like you've got Hanson for the fourteen jersey. You've got Hanson number one, Calvin Nash number two, and Jimmy O'Brien is number three. So. Uh, how close like it's hard, like, because I was looking at, like, you're looking at these, right, 11, 14, and most of them, Lowe will always play 11, Stockdale has always played 11, Hanson for Ireland has played 14 because you have Lowe at 14, but, like, you, like a lot of them aren't specialists, 11 or 14, so it could change. I, I obviously had to put them in their categories, but it doesn't necessarily mean, do you know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? As in, I had to put them in one, two or three. Mm. But some of them, like Kat Nash can play 11 or 14. O'Brien can play 11 or 14. We haven't seen Mac Hansen play 11 because he's always been there. But anyway, <laughs> that's kind of got off on a tangent there. But Calvin Nash is probably your most informed winger at the moment. And look, Hansen has that, as I said... Uh, Farrell loves those untidy wingers that get off their wing and you'll see with Hansen his playmaking abilities he'll come in there as an extra attacker and get that attack going very good in the air like really really good in the air um, and we've seen some brilliant moments from him um, but I like the way Nash plays as well He's I love that strike runner ability of him as um, as a winger and he is probably the one coming in with the most form the other guys have obviously come off the of Six Nations and had good performances, but been doing very well for for very well for Munster. And look, his defence doesn't seem to be an issue at the moment. Okay, we haven't seen him maybe at the highest level playing for Ireland, but it's not coming up to me as a problem. So he looks solid defend like defensively. Um but you know, Jimmy O'Brien could be up there either. Like, there's not much between them. But I just think Nash on the form that he's carrying in. Um, so, on the day when there's big matches, we know that your back three is your back three and it's, it's bang on. Yeah. Then we're really talking about who is the last person. So, we're going to have a sub-scrum half. We're going to have a sub-out half. And then there's one other player who makes the match day squad unless they suddenly decide to go 6-2 split which they've never done really yeah. who's that person oh this is what I this is what I find are you talking about now on the the, the lesser games I don't mean that disrespectfully no, no. South, South Africa France New Zealand <sighs> like so you're kind of looking at a bit of versatility there so if you're looking at if I list them all out, Stockdale, Earls, Bundy, uh, Hanson, Nash, O'Brien, 
O'Brien. Okay. If you're starting Keenan. Because O'Brien can play, he can play 13, he can play both wings, he can play 15. And I think he gets the nod there for his versatility. And does he get the nod over somebody like Bundy? Who? Bundy Aki. It depends what way they want to line it up. Like, And all different will have a different way of doing this. Like, as in, you take a gamble and you've seen before someone drops into the wing that's not potentially a winger. Like, they're saying that Ring Rose had ran, like, you know, the wing lines and, and done defence and training and can hop in there. Like, it depends. I, I would probably put O'Brien in for his versatility, but that's just my preference. And is there any Because you're covering... You're covering three positions there, Any and he's played, he's played them well as well. Like he's he's come in there playing thirteen, and played very well, with very little preparation. And he's very used. To, he's always plays the wing, and he's able to play fifteen. That'd be, other people would do it differently, but I think he's the versatile twenty-three man that you need. One last thing: there's just news breaking this morning that. Um Munster are going to play the Crusaders in a one-off game in February 2024 so they'll obviously it's February the 3rd so they won't have the Ireland players I suspect unless the Ireland players are released because it's the week before am I right the week before the Six Nations starts um, but they've announced uh, a one-off against the Super Rugby champions the Crusaders who uh, are going to have Rob Penny as coach I, I mean we've people have been talking about this for ages where you could play the European Cup champions but this is a great idea isn't it? Yeah it's a great idea and like if you watch Super Rugby it's so fast it's so different at times in this Northern Hemisphere game that we play so I just love to see how that how that turns out and it's obviously going to be exciting so yeah I think that's hopefully it'll kind of drive more of that like I hope it's, it's not just a once off like you hope it'll maybe go somewhere yeah yeah um, it doesn't say where the game is going to be I wonder is there a chance for them to stick it in Parker Kiev but we'll see Alison good stuff that was brilliant thanks a million no bother guys have a great day bye bye that's Alison Miller giving us the back three death chart as it stands at the moment I don't think anybody could uh, disagree with any of that? No. Then you have like beyond that. Obviously, there's names like Balakoon and Larmer and Conway. Like, but like the list in, in that area is so deep. Hence the depth chart. But um, yeah, it's one of those positions where the the starting three seem fairly well set and obvious. It's just that you know if someone gets injured, who you're who you're bringing in. But yeah, the options there are pretty tasty. It has to be said. Uh, Daly was unreal from Munster this year says Peter M very unlucky not to be on the plane it's Bundy Aki it's always Aki unless a centre is injured says Pascal Jacob um, do to do and then people are giving out about the Ireland jerseys haven't seen it uh, is there a special World Cup jersey uh, rugby one the rugby, apparently um, there was a fashion show on at the weekend uh, don't ask me how I know this and I can't remember where it was Billy Anderson's son that was the one yeah yeah. Where he, he's, is he's that the jersey no that's just a that's just an Ireland jersey, right? I thought, but it looked it looked. He's like a, a designer, right? Okay, so he's designed his own. That was his. No, that was his collection. Okay, right, right, right. And so to pay uh, testimony to his dad, he wore the jersey. Uh, it looked a little bit sheepish when he was. Did, did, you did, see did, the video? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, an incredible story, like world class designer. Um, uh, we'll talk a bit more about that as the, uh, the days and weeks ahead. In the meantime, a reminder: Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off The Ball Brayburn it's coming to an Apple Green store near you new Brayburn locations pop up every month visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn coffee experience and tell them we sent you John Duggan first time this week 
Chair and Shane, how are we doing? First time, last time. Yes. How yeah. are you? Great yourselves. Good. And I'm giddy because today's my last day until I go on holidays. So, uh, are you going anywhere nice? I'm going to France. Oh, cheese and wine. Are you uh, getting the boat? Not getting the boat. Left it far too late to get the boat. I wish we were getting the boat, but we're not. Why do you, do you like the boat? I like, uh, yeah, well, I love the boat. I, you see, going to if going to a football match in England, I love the boat over, but it's the boat home that. Oh, the boat home, fresh the grimmest. <laughs> There's nothing worse in life oh than like coming home in the boat after a football match when you've had a few pints the night before. Is it La Rochelle, Ger? It actually is. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! It is. Yeah. Um, no brage for all the coffee spots and bars and all the rest. Sounds amazing. Uh, ah, look, you know, well every, deserved. Every, everybody needs a break. It's like uh, Christy Moore said, yeah. Especially the, the viewers and listeners to this show, they definitely need a break. <laughs> Climb a mountain or jump on a lake in La Rochelle. We'll have no Gilroy, no party now in the comments. Yeah. All, all next yeah, week yeah, and the week yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we have to put up with. I have many burner accounts, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't. Thanks, man. And yeah, so what's going on with the under 20 game at uh, 10 o'clock Irish time, Ireland versus Australia at the under 20 championship. So the draw against England means we have no room for error now with 12 teams being reduced to four for the semi-finals. Uh, Hugh Cooney suspended. Uh, Charlie Irvin, Brian Gleeson, Ronald Fox all coming into the pack. James Nicholson coming in behind the scrum. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. England playing Fiji later on in the group. Uh, we have Josh McGee and Paul Reynolds playing for badminton medals at the European Games today. They go up against the Danish tandem of Anders Rasmussen and Kim Astrup in Krakow in the quarterfinals. Porter Carrington defending his US seniors open title in Wisconsin later. Darren Clark also in the field. Tom McKibben and John Murphy in the field for the British Masters. The Ashes, England poor yesterday on the field. Uh, Australia got 339 for five and they resume at that point this morning with Steve Smith not 85 not out at Lords in the second test remember Australia won the first test uh, we know the Vera Powell announced our squad we know that Kelly Harrington Michaela Walsh and uh, Dean Clancy have reached the Olympic Games in boxing and then transfer wise we had James Madison going to Spurs yesterday and then last night Kai Havertz signing for Arsenal uh, for a five year deal and Declan Rice going to Arsenal so Arsenal spending £170 million on Rice and Havertz in the last 24 hours which is a significant statement of intent yeah it is a statement of intent what do, what did they intend <laughs> to certainly be as least as good as they were last season because last season I think was the surprise season for a lot of people we, we didn't, might not have seen Arsenal go so high so obviously Arsenal feel that they need to build on that momentum have an upgrade in midfield uh, over the likes of Partey who finished the season poorly and Jacka with Declan Rice coming in there and to have Havertz who does need to improve his scoring rate has, has scored less than 10 goals in his last two seasons at Chelsea now we know that Chelsea has not been the best run club from a footballing perspective uh, but he does need to score more goals he's a, more of a player for moments um, but maybe he might play a bit more deep in the Arsenal team but also the Kep Saliba who was rumoured to go to PSG so look um, they're showing him a lot of ambition and more ambition than Tottenham um, are they getting good value? West Hammer <laughs> Like when you think, like is Declan Rice worth more than Harry Kane? No. Like that Harry Kane, like Bayern Munich are a bid sixty million for Harry Kane, which was rejected. But if they bid eighty, that could be enough to well, get Harry Kane the, through. It is rumored that they've come back with a second bid at eighty. Yeah. Because um, I was listening to Martin Lippen talk to you guys yesterday, and he was like, "Oh, they're not going to bid a hundred if they start with 60. He's like, "I mean, maybe maybe other countries have a culture of like trying to get value, <laughs> you know, as opposed to." Like the, I do wonder if Man City had any interest in signing Declan Rice now. I, 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 I've been wondering the same. Well, I don't they know why they like, why do they sign Kovacic if they if they needed to get um, Rice? They don't need to get Kovacic and Rice. Or they just 
wrap it up the price for Arsenal and then pull Possibly, away yeah, and like, going, yeah you've just mm-hmm. wasted, tw- wasted 20 million quid yeah because it is opportunity cost you know so uh, Arsenal are also interested in the, the 19 or 20 year old midfielder from um, Southampton his name momentarily escapes me but maybe now they can't sign to him you know because they've had to go the extra 15, 20 million on Declan Rice and financial fair play will kick in to a point where they're like oh actually we're right up against the limit of what we can and can't do here it is a bit I want that suit I want it nobody else is having it I want the suit so I'll pay over the odds for the suit suit looks good on you though it does and Louis Copeland's need to get back there you're getting compliments as well about your hair John this morning someone says JD what's up with the hair and uh, yeah. someone says that's the Don Jogan hairstyle someone says DJ Mike Anderson <laughs> I noticed Jer had the championship slash holiday haircut. Oh, ready yeah, to go got to make sure there's no tan lines. La Rochelle haircut, yeah. Tan responsibly. Yeah. So And, yeah, so, you know, the hair has to be cut. I have to go down to um, the bit of gel man today. Bit of gel? As we, we always say that there's only one thing said at the end. It's the, complete the, the <laughs> silence and then there's the bit of gel at the end. I go for the powder. Controversial. Powder? You're asked, you're asked gel or wax and I say powder. Is that a modern thing or something? No, I don't know. It's the it's the like you've, like, if you've thinning hair, it's probably the the one that probably. Have you got thinning hair? Uh, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. How you feeling about well, that? My dad's had thinning hair though since he was my age, so and he's still he's still going. So he's still got hair. You ho- you hold on to the hope. You hold oh, on to the hope. Right. Okay. So no trips to Turkey, but just yeah. But remember, you're the fittest guy and off the ball. You know, you won all the whoop stuff. So. Well, there you go. Like, so you yeah, have that yeah. in your arsenal. Can't win it all. It is. Uh, it is interesting. To, uh, you're walking around Istanbul and there's just loads of people. <laughs> With white teeth and no, well, the, 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 obviously, I mean, uh, it's less obvious the teeth, but the, the hair is totally obvious because there's a shaved head and there's the, the human marker around you. Like yes, getting my, getting my uh, elbow transplant. You can't really see that in the video there. The the human marker mm. on their heads, and you're like, all right. I was also I was chatting to someone recently. I, this was news to me, but who came back from Istanbul? So it's full of obviously the, the lads who've come back with for the hair transplants and the teeth transplants. Uh, but you can get your rear end implanted as well, and it requires you to not sit down going? for for weeks. I think it's six weeks, weeks well, uh, where you can't actually sit down. You're like a jockey, basically. I, I don't know how you, you manage life in, in that sense, but um, apparently that's a thing. I only learned about it recently. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's obviously a thing. It's obviously a thing, but I didn't, I didn't realise the our, impact our it would have. Yeah, but I didn't realise the impact it would have on your life for, for weeks thereafter. But how do you get home? You can't stand up on the plane. Yeah. Excuse me, sir, you have to sit down. I'm sorry, I have a, I have a letter from, from like, uh, arsefillerclinic.com that says I can't. And you, you have, have to, to squat. Squat, maybe, yeah. I don't know how that works. Yeah, but... Um, I don't know how we got here either, but... Yeah, you you took us here. I, I took us here. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to take us back. <laughs> Uh, any other stories? <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to the uh, quarterfinals. I've, I've now no longer grumpy about the All Ireland Football Championship, given the quality that's on show this weekend. Ah, good. It's John Duggan time of the year. I quarterfinals feel, Yeah, the circuit. I feel Cork. Are t- I tell you, Cork are the most impressive team in a way because I think they've, they've the team that's done the best in terms of punching above and above their power rankings. Yes, <laughs> and their match against Derry will be fascinating. And Dublin Mayo look. Dublin don't have that many miles in the clock but you have to say Dublin and Mayo both counties not as good as they were how much will the momentum ver- of Mayo versus the break of Dublin kind of uh, see itself out fascinating to see um, I remember when I listened to Michal Mahertig when I was young the wind was always such a huge thing in Gaelic games and then it kind of went out of the conversation then you saw back at Salt Hill last weekend that the wind was so crucial and Bally of as well it was just Kerry Tyrone and you know, what kind of Tyrone are we going to see? 
because they're so enigmatic. But John Hesling gets the point and they're out of the championship and now they're back in a game against Kerry who won't be lacking motivation after what happened a couple of years ago. And the other one then, our man on. And so how are you feeling about it? Nervous. Nervous. Yeah, because you're, you're... Probably the best draw you could have got. It is, of course. Yeah, the other alternatives were Dublin and Kerry. Um, but either way, the, the last four are going to be pretty interesting because then you, cause, like the winner of Derry Cork and the winner of Armagh Monaghan like the winner of Armagh Monaghan will certainly be punching to get to the everybody's finals but they're everybody's going to feel good about themselves if yeah. you win this game this weekend you're going to feel slightly impenetrable after it mm. John good stuff for lads have a great holiday Jar. thanks a million see you on the other side uh, more from John of course on Saturday afternoon on Off the Ball on News Talk some highlights on the Off the Ball podcast network for you today uh, Rugby Daily with Richie uh, Keith Higgins talking about Mayo Dublin at the weekend and Paul Rouse with Joe last night we'll play out with that uh, our, our portion of it in just a little while after the break delighted to say Ross Common Manager Davey Burke is going to join us in studio first a bit more from Ruth Fahey this time on the overall feeling of the Irish players after the World Cup announcements yeah I think you've captured it really well there in terms of explaining the tone of the announcement I was so excited uh, to wake up this morning. Obviously, we're seven hours behind here, so the news had already broken. Went straight for a cup of coffee and opened up uh, the media. And yeah, the, I was expecting celebration, jubilation. I suppose I hadn't thought deeper about those handful of players that were going to get the most heartbreaking news that they're ever going to receive in their career. Um, you know, names are jumping out at me Jamie Finn, Leon Kiernan, Megan, Megan Campbell. Like these are players that have not only featured heavily in massive moments in the history of Irish women's football, but they've dedicated their entire lives to probably this day. And I don't want to make it worse or add to the sense of grief here, but today is probably about those players. And we'll we'll move on from this as the days continue and Ireland play France and we'll look forward. And once the World Cup actually kicks off, you know, in Australia, this will be forgotten. But I think it's important to talk about these players, the commitment and sacrifice they've made and acknowledge the disappointment and that they're very deserving to be there. And for the reasons Vera Pau has outlined, some are technical, some are fitness or otherwise she knows best. She's in the position she's seen the players over the last number of days, weeks and months. And, you know, the hardest day of her career, she's also said, and as you mentioned, Joe, she was emotional in that interview and rightly so, I'd say. You're listening to OTB AM. It's a minute past nine. I'm delighted to say Davey Burke, the Ross Common Manager, is with us, but I'm also sorry to say Davey Burke, the Ross Common Manager, is with us. <laughs> uh, if you weren't, you'd be preparing for a big game this weekend. Um, how are you doing? Uh, all right, lads. Uh, I wouldn't say the mist is fully uh, gone just yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, disappointed to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, have you watched the game back? haven't would you believe can't bring myself to win I, I, I don't know how we lost the game so I can't bring myself to watch it yet so I'd say this weekend I'll get around to a chair I'd say yeah uh, so your thoughts aren't fully formed then on what happened oh they're fairly clear I'd say okay, uh, okay, no, on, yeah. no 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 yeah look I have to watch it back to review to get, to get into the real detail of it yeah but oh god we were in complete and utter control for, for 34 minutes the first half 7 points to 3 up Um Downey Smith got injured and he was playing his best game all year for us and uh, it just seemed to be a turning point and we went in 7-6 we got really rattled in for 5 minutes by Cork in fairness to them they pushed up on our kick and really rattled us uh, went in 7-6 we needed half time after being in complete control which is crazy really uh, and then came out in the first 10 minutes of the second half again and Cork really rattled us again in the first 10 minutes so um, um, but we showed great resolve got back into it and everything else but it was that 15 minute period really we, we just lost control of the game for, for, for some reason Um is that the is that just 
does it happen in games against teams who are as good as Cork and basically all the teams are at such a similar level at the moment that like um, it felt like this is going to be one of those years where somebody can actually just catapult from that tier up to actually winning it yeah it did feel like that, yeah. It did feel like that, and I, I still think that, that Cork team could do it. Um, they could absolutely do it, like Monaghan are there, Armagh are there, kind of all in that bracket, I would have thought, kind of like the second tier, whatever you want to call it. So, um, yeah, I absolutely, st- well, one of them at least is going to be in a semi-final at least, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, there's definitely an opportunity this year. I think we're all in one big heap chair, to be honest, which I think no one really knows. And is that why you're as sick as you are? Because <sighs> Opportunity missed, isn't it? Absolutely opportunity. How many more chances, like, you know... Are these Roscommon lads going to get? Am I going to get to you know be in all Ireland quarterfinals etc? So yeah, it's, it's, it's sickening, yeah, absolutely sickening. A lot to remind you of the, of the obviously the last couple of minutes. Tough to to think back to them, but I think that there's a moment certainly on the TV where I think it's maybe Eddie Lohan points has the three fingers up. Nine for two back to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, two back to him. Yeah. But I think he's saying so. There's obviously three minutes of the four injury time left, and from, from what I gather is he's saying there's three minutes to hold on to the ball here and get a get a pop shot off at the end that was my take on it I don't think he's telling the players how many minutes are left I think he's saying here's the, here's how many minutes you need to hold on to the ball and literally seconds later of course that Conor Daly whatever happens happens yeah, so when Eddie, yeah you're right you're, you're right but it was, it was about 71.50 when Eddie put the three fingers up to me and I turned around and if you'll watch it back oh, I yeah, put two, two fingers back up to him and said, I thought you that. meant you're putting two other fingers up to no, him no 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 I know me and Eddie are tight <laughs> now but um, um, so there was two minutes left literally the clock had just went to 72 at that stage and within before I turned around the, the whistle was blown for Conor Daly for travelling or throwing the ball in the air or whatever the, the infringement was um, but we were absolutely trying to hold the ball for at least another minute get it into the 73rd minute or so work a scoring opportunity to kill the clock essentially you know not give Cork an opportunity that was exactly what we were to do uh, and you'd back, uh, we we had scored from 10, 10 of them setups we scored eight times against Cork and we would have, were doing it all day for fun and you'd back us every other day to do it again and just uh, forward looking and Conor Daly's one of our most comfortable ball players mm-hmm. so uh, look how, how do you legislate for these things you know? do you know what happened that was that an inf- do you know what the infringement was I, I'm led to believe my, my chairman uh, went and spoke to the ref after the game I think he he done him for throwing the ball so if you watch it back I think. He think he I kind of popped the ball upwards. So if you're hopping, the, he took two solos in the before. And if you're hopping the ball, I think you're, you know you it has to be downwards. Yeah. Whereas I think Connor just got, got caught in two minds and popped the ball up. Now it did hit the ground. I'd say it's very grey, lads. I'd say it's extremely grey. And sitting here yeah. in not in great form, it doesn't have the greyness. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's very grey. And referee was a good bit away from it and everything else too. But your luck. Mm. Yeah. Um, can we talk to you about the keeping the ball and getting the shot off at the end? Because you became something of a lightning rod for uh, the state of the nation and hmm. the state of the game after the six minutes. Something, yeah. Yeah. Um, what? How conscious were you first off of the debate, and then secondly, I want to talk to you about how you developed that because it's incredible to be able to do it. But go on. The debate afterwards. Did you pay any attention to it at the time? Oh, we 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 good crack about the debate afterwards. To be honest with you, Jerry, I, I I thought it was very very funny. I thought there was a complete overreaction to it. Uh, we all went out and seen loud to give an exhibition on what not to do against Dublin in Leicester final. We were sitting there preparing for Dublin in two weeks' time, and uh, you kicked 
50-50s into Dublin all day long they'll destroy you like they'll absolutely destroy you so we made a conscious decision well we're not going to give them the ball back too often and when we do we're going to make sure it goes dead so uh, we we worked on a plan to hold the ball had we worked on the hold it for 6 minutes no you know but if Dublin don't want to come to the party well what are we going to do it's always up to the underdog to go give them the ball to make these players look like brilliant footballers you know why can't they come and chase us and they didn't want to do it so we held the ball and we ended up kicking a brilliant score with Kieran Murta who was a brilliant footballer so you know if you give Niall Daly time on the ball he ain't giving it away you give David Murray they're brilliant footballers we've some serious brains across our middle eight like in now didn't work in the 72nd minute against Cork but still uh, we have some brilliant footballers there so Dublin didn't want to come to the party and didn't want to come out and press us so what were we going to do kick the ball into them well I, I do often wonder about this because um it felt to me like there was uh, kind of a, an upstart. Who who do these uppity Rothcollin folk yeah. think they are coming here and doing this? This isn't in the spirit of the game. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. This is what Tony Gall did and they won all Ireland for it and everybody hates them, you know? Mm-hmm. And respectively. And look, as a Kildare supporter yeah. all the years, it's like, should we not be doing a bit of this? Oh, absolutely, and I, I did see the following again. Lots of teams tried to imitate it, Jerry, and they kept the ball away too easy and kept getting hurt on it. Because you can't, you can't just decide that you're going to do it. You have to be working on this from last November. And you need footballers. You need, you need serious footballers. Like where we might, if we lack pace, we have serious ballers. You know that kind of way. So there's a trade-off there. So you have to be working on it. it's a plan, and you have to have serious discipline. And sometimes the gap, you might think the gap is on, but you actually don't take the gap. You might probe to come back out of the gap because you know you're running to a trap or whatever it is. And so the, the reaction was ridiculous. It was, and it was a real case of that. Who are these? Upstarts, young fella managing them, coming up from us, come out. We'll, we'll, we'll show them kind of thing. You know, like I don't. I it was wrong, really. To be honest, loaded nothing about nothing. It didn't, it didn't take an ounce out of us. And yeah, to be honest with you. You've obviously done the maths on it, as in, because uh, even what, what the Mullen Kildare match last weekend, I think Mullen had the ball at one stage for three minutes, lose it, Kildare score, but then at the end they obviously get the winner from a from a period of possession just before uh, the game is blown up. So you've obviously done the maths and, and realised this is something that pays off more more often than it than it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely, it does. And, and look, we, we adjust week to week. You see, against Sligo, we didn't hold the ball, we went out and kicked all, kicked the ball all day to go and hurt the Division 4 team. You know, as simple as that. So um, we, we won the game by 10 points, kicking 121, I think 117 from play. So, you know, each week you have to adjust that. You know, simple as that. So, uh, yeah, we've done the maths on If you give top, top teams, now you're talking to Dublin's, the Kerry's, you give them boys the ball, they're going to hurt you. Mm. Simple as that. And we're watching week after week. Look at Kerry on the loud last week. Like, look at Dublin on the loud. Like, like what do people want? Do we, we're trying to make the game more competitive. We're trying to make the game more equal and we need to be tactically innovative to do that and, and, and you know and that's my job is to make my team as competitive as I possibly could How hard was it to get the team to the level where they're so you say they're ballers but obviously that requires intense work and they have to trust that the work is is, is um, beneficial and they obviously did because the, the fruits are in, in that point and you know they did loads against Cork mm. you know and it nearly won the game against Cork and now he wouldn't be here today but anyway uh, <laughs> like how much work is that what's your training like that allows the team the confidence to be able to do that under that environment and that pressure it's like yeah, if you're coaching anything, Jerry, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. You must go and do it and do it and keep doing it. And and, and you can put variety in it to keep lads fresh, but ultimately, lads, we want to do this. We're practicing this, so let's do this and training. And you you put 50 men behind the ball or whatever you need to do and how do we break it down and how are we going to probe and how are we going to find the gaps and when are we going to know it's a trap and when are we going to identify that and different things like that, you know, and when are we going to know it's time to go, you know, that kind of way. So you have to just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And that's the only way. And, and you get buy-in when they, that have a fair idea, you have an idea what 
what you're talking about. You know that kind of way. I think they've had plenty of good managers, club level, poor managers, etc., etc. So yeah. I think they have a fair idea early doors whether whether they're getting to get on board with you or not. And did you have to talk to them about that when you came in and said this is so? And here's the thing: I don't want to pigeonhole you and say you, you made the point that you don't just play this way. Yeah. you've got to play loads of different ways depending on the opposition. But um, when we're in the big games against the the top tier teams. We actually have the footballers who are going to be able to trust yourself to get the ball like Xavi. You're going to get the ball. Somebody's going to be up your hole. But you're going to be able to keep control of it because we trust you as a footballer. Yeah. You have to have that conversation with them to say this is their plan or do you just kind of let it evolve over a period of time? It evolves over a period of time and watching video analysis is the key because you can look at what other teams are doing well, look at what other teams are doing poorly, more so against top teams. And they just keep giving them oxygen and keep giving them life all the time. And then you just wonder why let's get demoralised because they just have chasing shadows the whole time. And you can make a really good football look very average but just not keeping the ball away from him you know that kind of way and, yeah. and, and, and ultimately as I said to you they didn't want to come to the party so what were we going to do you know that kind of way what were we going to do like it was very you know we were in complete and utter control again but we were complete and utter control last, uh, last Saturday and we didn't see it out complete and utter control against Dublin and we didn't see it out so well it's fine it, it, it works to a point Jared. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not the answer like you know did you feel like the narrative was because it was a Roscommon say for example you know if it was one of those tier teams like you say Armagh, Monaghan, whoever that did this that they get criticised but if it's a Dublin or Kerry that do this they're they're geniuses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People, the, the upstart, you know, it's the upstart. It's like if you go to the you go to the door of the nightclub and the bouncer says to you, um, "Regulars only," and it's my first time here, lads. How do I become a regular if you don't let me in? You know that kind of way. So people don't. <laughs> how much change do people really want? Chain in life, you know that kind of way. When you said there that uh, it's not the answer because we couldn't see it out against those two teams, what what is the answer then? Is it what do you think? There has to be an evolution then. An evolution and a bit more experience of the plan, or you know that version of our plan. You know. Uh, yeah, we we need more work on it. Ultimately, we're not in an All Ireland quarter final because we we gave the ball away in seventy second minute with, with, under no pressure. You know, uh, no, there's plenty more of it too. But that's obviously one one part of it. So uh, it's clearly not rehearsed well enough yet. You know that kind of way. Um, can you can you train that squeaky bum time? You know that the I guess that the last couple of minutes of a game, obviously against Kildare as well, only for Feely's unbelievable high mark catch and kick. Uh, that game goes a different way as well potentially. But but that, those last few minutes, can you train that 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 sort of pressure where you're dealing with seventy second minute of a game and, and and trying to get over the line? Well, it's all scenario based. We would we would train that every day and we'd put them in the scenario. Right, lads, we're two points down. There's sixty nine minutes in the clock. We're playing four minutes over and go and go and dig it out and. and and we do that time and time again so you can try it obviously you're trying to imitate it have you the depth of squad to do it you know people are going on about Dublin and their AVBs aren't as strong anymore so you know have we the depth of squad to do it I'm not sure uh, we have a very very strong squad but have we 30 first choice players probably not you know that kind of way so so it's um, it's difficult to train it but you, you ultimately by putting them in the scenarios and, and, and going after it every night and I do think it's it's getting there but I, I haven't actually just to roll back on what I said there if we had just got the job done against Dublin not just got the Dublin but we should have got the job done against Dublin we didn't the Kildare game would have been irrelevant because it would have been mm-hmm. a dead rubber you know that kind of would have been a dead rubber so we, we were the top of the group regardless of the outcome of that game and uh, like that was the one game that we you know we, we didn't hit anywhere near our standards we weren't good enough whatsoever we won 3 at 26 kick it's like sure, where, where are you going at that level like you know if you don't cut off some sort of a platform of your opposition you know you're just not going to be competitive and I know we kept them to a point but to be honest with you if Kildare didn't get two black cards I think the game was long gone you know long long gone so uh, you, you go out 5% 10% off in this game you're in serious trouble. What's your biggest learning then from this year as a, a, an intercounty manager at this level with a team who, you know, I don't know if everybody felt like they were competitors 
like but then with the league the way the league went and the quality of forward play that we were seeing from your forwards it yeah. was like uh, so what's your biggest learning as a manager at this level now um, I think we need to get our striker balance probably for next year a bit better in that I think our defence all year held up very very strongly I think we have one of the best defences in the country probably Galway and ourselves were probably the two that were averaging out uh, roughly the best around um, and then ultimately I think our attack play suffered and maybe the, I was a focus when I came in to sort out the defence because in Roscommon the defence hadn't been brilliant over the years and I, you know, they, they were the New Orleans Saints of, of, of the GAA they'd want to outscore everybody so we had to get the balance right and maybe did we tip the balance too far I'm not sure um, um, but yeah, we definitely need to get the balance right on that front. But uh, but I, I I came in here last November and I said it's one of the most exciting jobs. I still absolutely hold that strong. Um, we need to get more consistency. Now we've we've gone from being you know up and down to a very consistent team, but still we, we, you know the Kildare game we weren't consistent. Monaghan in the league we were very poor, and then um, you know for long periods last weekend we were decent. So we you know, we need to do away with these with these up and down performances. But we are getting there. There's absolutely no doubt we're getting there, and. Uh, Ultimately, you have to have to be very, very consistent. You know, must be happy with the the, the, the way in which that league campaign started. You mentioned the Monaghan game, but those three games before that, you know, Tyrone, Galway, Armagh, like the performances were were just brilliant and at that point you're thinking the sky's the limit here with this with yeah. this team yeah we all were yeah and then we turned up to Clonus and got a good tanking off your boys Shane so um, <laughs> uh, so yeah we were very much yeah, the, the bubble was popped very quickly but again it's like anything you go probably a bit ahead of themselves you know three wins in a bounce division one thinking you know and, and, and it's probably a subconscious thing really like you know but uh, and then get brought down to earth fairly handy but um, yeah so 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 uh, but the world is like they're so exciting this bunch and they're sponges they will do anything for you and they listen to everything and like you were saying Jer, how does it take you to get them get them on board they've all had the best they've all had not great fellas they know when right I'm heading for 29 now I've got two three good years left to me at inter-county level I like what I'm hearing here let's go and do this you know that kind of way people aren't stupid anymore you know that kind of way uh, can I ask you Tony Smith I, I didn't I didn't realise he was quite the footballer he is I, I don't know is there something different this year maybe, maybe I just, I've seen more of him because the way the championship is structured is actually better to uh, yeah. allow us to see but the equaliser that he kicked against Kildare like if you'd drawn that game mm. I just thought it was incredible Enda Smith Enda Smith sorry sorry Enda Enda oh Jesus lads he is a serious serious footballer as good as I've ever worked with him as good as I ever will work with him he's as good as there is in Ireland there's absolutely no doubt about it he, uh, he's a phenomenal talent his, his speed his pace his strength his leadership left and right foot Jeez, I'd say he could have been a professional soccer player I think that was you know I, I just fell as it all and what a fella as well brilliant fella never misses a minute training uh, real leader in the squad was captain there for two years previously uh, oh, top top class did you know that there was that level of talent that uh, you were going to be able to unlock in a way around a structure that was going to give them the freedom to progress in, in Enda or in Holas? In, in, in Roscommon you were going? Ah, yeah. Well, well as I said before I even met any of them, I was sitting in the studio and I said how exciting it was. So, yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of teams being held back by lack of structure and lack of balance and lack of setup and maybe tactical now, so different things. So, so absolutely, these guys were going to be no different. And, and then the young books and Ben O'Carroll and Dara Craig and these lads and Connor Carroll and Dylan Rowan and Keith Doyle, they're all smashing young fellas coming through now as well who've given the older books the little rattle that they needed. They needed to be shaken up. It was the same 17 who were going to play every week and that was it. So, and uh, now they now there's 24 who are going to play every week and it's either come to the party or don't lads and if you don't come to the party you don't play and uh, they all know that and that's probably why they had a decent year but decent yeah yeah, it's probably been highlighted to you as I think you said when you were in in November as well you, you, as you say it was very early days but six, you pulled up to a 
petrol station or filling station somewhere in Roscommon and someone was <laughs> banging on your window wanting to talk about football straight away it's obviously a county like I live with a Roscommon man as well so I know how like, feverish they are about football um, has that been transpired across the year because clearly it's, it's a county that just lives and breathes it Oh yeah, oh, they've really taken me back. I'm, I'm, I'm they've really uh, shook me this year. I couldn't. I've never experienced any level of enthusiasm or support like it. They were phenomenal. And have still are to this day. Phenomenal people. Um, the support are crazy about football, and that it's sort of the players. And as simple as that, so is the county board. The county board are a special bunch of people. They're they're literally a bunch of supporters. That's what they are. They are brilliant. Uh, I pick up the phone to them and be like friends with the chairman. Like you know, as in it's just the relationship. I'd say is very unique relationship. Uh, they're really and, I, and I'm I'm very conscious of letting the players know this in that what they have the setup they have and we have is not the setup that's in every county in, in the country. You know, kind of, and I'm making sure them players realise that because you know players can be very quick to point fingers and give out about A, B, C, and D. But uh, when something's going well, I, I'm very quick to let them know too. So it sounds like you're there for the long haul. Well, I'm there for now anyway, yes. So, so I'll certainly be uh, in pre-season in a few months' time, Jer. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and as I said, I'm enjoying it. So I mean, I suppose it, it feels like you've found a home for now. Because sometimes you go to a job and you have a bit of success straight away and it's like, uh, you don't have to say the things you've just said, for example. You know, you could come in and just talk about the season was gone and then, like, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like you're just there because that was the job, that was the opportunity and you're just doing it at the moment. It feels like you've found a kindred, kindred spirits. I'm an honest fella though too, Jerry. I'll probably get myself into trouble with me honesty sometimes. So uh, that's probably why you boys like me. So, um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, no, I don't have to say it, but I believe it, and I firmly believe that these are brilliant people to work with. And there's three parties: the management, the county board, and the players. And I think three of us getting on very well. So, absolutely. Uh, why, why would you go, you know, anywhere else and, and change that, um, you know, unnecessarily? You know that kind of way. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, I'm, I'm very happy what I'm doing for now. Um, yeah. It's also like, like you know, it's, it's like, like the Formula One example where there are only literally twenty seats on the grid. So it's such a unique position. There are only eight managerial positions in Division One mm. uh, every year. And, and like I think you had said that November as well. You wanted a top tier job, and just to be in one of those positions that was coming again in Division One next year. By the way, with Dublin and Derry coming back up, so it's going to be feverish next year. But oh, but to have one of those jobs must be personally so satisfying. Well, it is. I, you know, ultimately you want to see are you good enough? Are you up to it? And you know that's that simple as it, and I don't know. Yeah, we haven't didn't make an all Ireland quarter final. Like, Division One is great, but we weren't good enough to make a quarter final. So uh, I'm very much still road testing myself here to find out am I good enough and, and are my players good enough and are we doing the right things? And certainly we're making ground. I've no doubt about it, making ground. But it's still a huge disappointment this weekend. There's all the talk about the provincial championships. So when you think back to that win over Mayo in Casabar in the rain, um, like was the focus and will the focus next year be on winning a, a Connacht title or is it completely irrelevant where you're just concentrating essentially on staying in Division 1 getting to as far as you can in the All-Ireland series or, or have the provinces taken a, a bit of a backseat I think I would have said the province had taken a backseat a month ago or six weeks ago but I think whoever comes out this year of the All-Ireland Series everyone will try copy that template I think because it's very very difficult none of us knew how to periodise this year or what to do because it's the first year so there's not anyone who comes on and tells you they're an expert and they've done A, B and C I don't believe it whatsoever because you, you, so every game in Division 1 is absolute chaos it's, it's full on full tilt you can't take your foot off the gas so you must go after every one of them and then you, know, then you go into your Connacht Championship and you, you 
after we'd stacked on the one side of the draw this year, you know, and go out, just beat Mayo there, and then just beat Galway, and best of like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, we got fairly hard done by this year in that regard, but uh, look, it is what it is. So, and then you have to go in and play Dublin in your first group game in Crow Park, like, you know, so, but don't get me wrong, that's why I'm here, that's what I want to do. We, we want these challenges, you know, so, uh, I can't answer next year. I need to, when this year's over, sit down and go literally go through it line for line. Okay, Kerry done this, Dublin done this, Roscommon done this, Cork done this. What is the answer that I think is the best version for next year? Meet my S&C coach and I go, right, let's plan our load here. Because is there a significant difference in, in how much load you would have had, say, uh, say for example you knew that you were going to have Mayo season where you were going to have one game in Connacht irrespective of the result you were going to have one game and then you're going to have a period of time is there a significant difference between getting the team ready for that one off and then having the, the taper down and the taper back up to get ready for a group stage is it, is it huge like oh it's huge oh, it's, is it oh, it's huge yeah it's a significant difference because when you're going week to week your, your, your level of preparation is zero really you're just recovery you're just recovery week to week but when you've got one target which we had this year and maybe it was right maybe it was wrong did it cost us in the long run I don't know I have to look back at all this type of stuff you know we ultimately the lads were we knew we'd Easter Sunday we knew we were going to McHale Park and the lads fancied the right good cut off it you know that kind of way and ultimately we won the game um, but but did it cost us down the road I, I don't know I don't answer that uh, but we will dig in we will find out um, um, if we because there's no way Mayo didn't also have that circled and go we're going to go for this too do you know like, but, but the, with Kevin McStayed the, the repercussions <laughs> are that if you lose you do actually then have this incredible soft landing with the pillow to go ah oh, we've got five weeks here to prepare for the next yeah. thing sometimes it can be too long I, I'm not a big fan of five or six weeks to myself two or three weeks would do me lovely now. Okay. I, I think that's one thing that needs to maybe change with the new structure is we've two minutes left with you I yeah. did want to ask you about Dublin Mayo and what you think is going to happen because it's this kind of fascinating where we're not quite sure where the dubs are um, we don't know how they've been periodising yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but what do you think where, where are they I think the dubs come down to two lads this year Owen Merchant and Jack McCaffrey because without them they've struggled for pace big time big time and when they struggle for pace they, they become less supreme than they are so uh, the two guys have struggled for, for form they've struggled for fitness this year they haven't played very much football so I, if the two boys are on the field for 70 minutes against, against Mayo I can see Dublin winning the game uh, if they're not I can see Dublin struggling because uh, I think pace is something they're not blessed with at the minute and when you take them two boys out they're, they're in big bother right think the only thing I will say is everyone's talking about Mayo struggling against blanket defence and they, they, they do they, you know it's, it's there Dublin don't play that way they don't play that way they, they might set up like everyone else with 13-40 men behind the ball but they want to come out and attack and if they come out and attack that Mayo team I think their athleticism like we've seen in Killarney could, could hurt that Dublin team right so kind of way. So if you're Desi, you're like, let's not try and be ourselves. Let's be something, mm. make it a six-all game at half time, and then... But that Dublin team won't do that. That's the problem, because you're asking me, how do I sell a product to my players? He can't go into that dressing room and, and go say, let's we have to respect Mayo too much and, and go in and play a certain style of football that doesn't suit us to stop right. Mayo playing. He can't sell that to Brian Fenton. Not a danger can he do that. Okay. So uh, so they're going to go toe-to-toe, and they're either going to go... If they have their speedsters on the field, they win if they're without even one of them I can't see them winning mm. alright okay uh, that's, that's interesting because like in fairness if you are Fenton and and McCarthy you're like ah lads we've got six All-Irelands exactly you know, or eight yeah let's go you for know. it yeah. you know that kind of yeah. what, what we let's die with our boots on yeah 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 like, they're not probably feeling as bad as a few Rossies today like you know that no. kind of way like. or the Kildare supporters yeah or the Kildare supporters yeah. can, can I very briefly ask you about yeah. the uh, is we, I mentioned the Kevin Feely attacking mark and I guess that's how the attacking mark is supposed to be used but uh, it, it's not always used like that let's no, be honest no. what, are, what are your thoughts on, on that as a rule 
Oh, that's a terrible rule, that's. We're rewarding fellas for 15, 20 metre kick pass. Sometimes less, they get blown for. Uh, that's a terrible rule, you know. W- w- why are we rewarding top class inter county footballers? In fairness to the Kevin Feely one, Daniel Flynn kicked the ball from outside the 45 and Feely was inside the 14 or wherever he was, somewhere around that. So that was a good and overhead catch. I can understand if, they, if that was the rule we wanted to continue with, I'd be happy with that. A 30, 40 metre kick pass and an overhead catch inside the 14 yard line, I could go with that now. Mm. I can work with that. These 15 yard dinks around blanket defences are rubbish, absolute rubbish. And why are we rewarding top class footballers to do that and we're taking goal chances out of the game I don't care what anyone says against Loud I was sitting the stand watching Dublin very very closely and Conor Callaghan twice had the opportunity to go by the full back he didn't he put the hand up and tapped the ball over the bar sure that's sad lads. we're here for competition we're here for goals we're here to, for excitement no no you're, you're ruining the sport yeah, not yeah, the mark it's not the mark yet <laughs> Did you, yeah, you, you, missed, you didn't get the memo yeah, yeah, yeah. you're obviously not on the right WhatsApp group yeah. David good stuff thanks a million for joining us cheers and uh, congratulations what, like, it, was, it was a good season I think um, mm. certainly very interesting to see what happens next year best of luck with it thanks Jerry Colm is with us Colm good morning to you how are you uh, Declan Rice to Arsenal I mean usually I'd be kind of a bit sceptical of a £100 million price tag but I think Arsenal have uh, pulled off a serious coup here because I think Rice is the best midfielder in the Premier League ah stop it's unbelievable he's, uh, he's unbelievable and like you see you say stop to me but I think the reason he's you say that so overrated is because of the Ireland. No, it's not. I think it is. He's super I think it is overrated. I really, I think he absolutely has the ability to dominate games. I actually want more from him. The best midfielder in the Premier League. I would say on his day, Kevin De Bruyne. He's absolutely unbelievable in his position. Now, De Bruyne is a different story yeah. altogether going forward. I'm talking about a traditional, what I would say, a central midfield player who's kind of a little bit deeper. And for West Ham, he's almost been sitting in like a back three at times. But with this Arsenal side, like it's a hell of an upgrade. Upgrade on Granite Xhaka. I, I, th- I feel like because of like, the he's oh yeah definitely an upgrade in Xhaka. He's I'll a brilliant footballer, and we actually have only seen a little bit of what he can do. He's not worth that price. I think he is. I think in today's market, like I was actually million. just as Davy was slipping out there, I was looking at like other players who cost in and around that amount. You know, like Usman Dembele. <laughs> Same price. Ah, I mean, you're immediately getting more ah, for Declan ah, Rice. Ah, ah, do you know what ah, I mean? Ah, 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 money, Jude Bellingham, similar well, price. Dembele was uh, Barcelona. From Borussia Dortmund to Barcelona, yeah. I do think you can actually play Jude Bellingham and Rice together. Look, Rice is a good player. I think he's brilliant. We shall see. Like This is the bit now where there are no excuses. It's not like, oh, I've got to cover the bad... Uh, central defensive partnership and my goalkeeper is a bit flaky and my midfield partner is I'm uncertain who it's going to be week to week or he's actually playing as a uh, an 8 and I need another 6 I don't know it's going to be very interesting to see there are no more excuses it's Champions League football week in week out and massive pressure so let's see if he can Rice has no experience in that regard I can't wait to see I mean look I'm not this is not a direct comparison but Roy Keane didn't have European football experience too when he went left Nottingham Forest to join Manchester United but he made the step up and this is got like the transfer fee is exorbitant but you get used to 100 million pound transfers now it was a big deal about a decade ago not so much now after Neymar broke the seal in you, 2017 you've compared him with Roy Keane there which means that you think that he could have a similar level of influence on the Premier League that Keane had I don't think there'll ever be another Roy Keane but yeah I think he can have a serious influence I think we'll be looking back a, a year from now at Declan Rice's first season and we'll say yeah yeah yeah, he was a good, he was a good signing but it'll be that's, very that's much fine. I mean, indifference um, I, I, like he for that price tag he oh, needs yeah, to have an yeah, un- like, unbelievable season it, it might not be an instant hit but that's fine Like I can see him staying at Arsenal long term like there was the 
But it is though. I mean, if he if he gets better well, sorry, season the, on season for five years, then yeah. it's absolutely worth. And money. I think you you guys are you were saying is he worth more than uh, Harry Kane? But like he absolutely is because he's much younger. That's the thing. Like you know, if you're signing Harry Kane, you're signing for two seasons. If you're signing Declan Rice, you are hoping that you get seven years of him being your star midfielder, and that at some point in that seven years you win a league, and so therefore it's like oh he was the centerpiece of our league winning team. Yeah. I just, pe- sorry, people also assume that Roy Keane hit the ground running in Manchester United. He scored in his debut and they won a double in his first season. But Brian Robson pulled him aside one night and said, if you want to be a Manchester United midfielder long term, you're going to have to start getting much more involved in games. Because Keane was almost like a Frank Lampard type figure at Forest where he was getting on the end of things a lot. And so he started to dominate the ball in possession. So he didn't fly to the traps at all. Like. So you, you, you're both making the assumption there that so Declan Rice they can pay this price tag because for seven years until he's 31 he's 24 now Declan Rice can be that midfielder for Arsenal that anchors the midfield to win trophies That's, uh, there's an assumption there of two things assumption is that Arsenal will, will be winning loads of trophies in that time maybe he can help them do that I don't think he's good enough to do that and the other assumption is that Declan Rice would have the loyalty to stay at Arsenal for seven years and mm, he hasn't exactly exhibited loyalty in his past. Well, he stated his preference for staying in London. I mean, when a few days ago in Manchester City were in the race, it's well known that his preference was yeah. staying around. So I don't see any reason that he'd leave. Like, at the moment, Arsenal are the best London club. So unless Chelsea massively improve, he could go there. But that's about it, really. Either way, he's probably going to stay in the Premier League. And uh, I don't see any reason from what I've seen of Declan Rice so far in a very average West Ham side, like one that's struggling in relegation, that he still stands out as a brilliant footballer. And the, the, the only criti- criticism I might have of him is that he should do more. He should have more confidence in himself because of his ability. Rarely seen a player with that physique have so much kind of technical ability on the ball as well and, and has an ability to dominate midfield. And I think at Arsenal he has a much better opportunity to do that than he has at West Ham. One thing I will say in a positive sense about him is that he he is good in the big games. Like I remember the two all draw where uh, was it? He could be better in the big games. Yeah, he could be, but he's been mad at so, the match in, in games at Old Trafford as well. I think. And so you're saying that they're signing him for potential. And uh, look, maybe that's how the game is at the moment. You do have to spend 100 million quid to sign players. Signing him for now. Who have who have a higher ceiling than they're currently showing? And I'm just not sure what the ceiling is. I think we might have seen it. Like uh, to the point and somebody else is pointing it out like he has played in uh, Euros final mm-hmm. he has played in a World Cup and some some people watch the game the same game that I'm watching and they're like oh wow that's incredible look at these oh it's a cross between Franz Beckenbauer and Lothar Mateus I'm like is it is it oh uh, well, the hype train is is very British media hype train no, I, you don't even need to do like what's it, Phil Jones is compared with Duncan Edwards like there's loads of outrageous <laughs> comparisons over the years but you know Rice just captained West Ham to their first trophy in decades he has the ability to be the standout player in the pitch and I'm not saying that he's going to lead Arsenal to Premier League glory next season or maybe even a trophy but I do think he'll massively improve their midfield and I'm really interested to know like Ger said there is no more excuses for him anymore he's not hiding behind a poor side He's in a team that's on the up with one of the best young managers around. And I'm fascinated to see how well he gets on. And I think £100 million for a player that age on a contract that long could be very good value for money if you break it down season by season and his impact. It's a lot of money for him, I think. I, look, I mean, I, I think what they've done is they've put all their eggs in the basket of him and Kai Havertz. And I'm just not convinced that that's really brilliant business at the moment. Now, 
we can play this back at Christmas when Havertz has scored 15 goals and mm. created and Odegaard is in and out of the team because Havertz has taken his place or him and Odegaard are running games behind Gabriel Jesus and with Saka and Martinelli's not in the team I just I'm not quite sure how they're all going to play or if this maybe maybe this is strength and depth and, and uh, you know everybody plays half an hour and the cavalry comes on and the intensity with which they can press is higher than everybody else because they've got more forward players like uh, most of the big clubs haven't quite used the five subs in a way that so Pep frequently doesn't use any subs in the big games and certainly as the season progressed last year when the Trevor was on the line he had his first team and he didn't make any changes unless there were injuries and that's kind of strange to me I, I feel like there's massive value to be had in having world class players who can come on and perform at the same level as the person that they've replaced for half an hour against tiring defences and maybe that's what Mikel Arteta is doing here and maybe there's some strategy to this that uh, again our tiny brains and OTBAM can't see um, I think the strategy is really obvious in there he's signing one of the best players in the league With, so in midfield clearly but yeah. like what's the point of Havertz well Havertz I mean like we were even saying pre-show when Chelsea signed him from Bayer Leverkusen in 2020 there was a lot of excitement around and envied by other fans that this is one of the most talented players around Like, and you look at the stats they're pretty underwhelming for his time at Chelsea Like he'll always have the cult hero status because of his winner in the Champions League final two years ago against Man City but what are you talking like 19 goals and 7 assists in 91 Premier League games it's all a bit meh so Jasmine Baba has been saying uh, she's excited about the signing. So we, we might do a piece with her to explain exactly how he's going to fit and improve the team yeah, he's a good player like but I've never really seen him be absolutely poor or anything but he can be anonymous a bit he can just get lost in a lot and maybe that's Chelsea so that's the bit where I think they've overspent on Declan Rice the same that they've overspent on Havertz and sometimes it feels like teams who are just on the verge make these big splashy moves to keep everybody happy but there's a stink of desperation off it I think whereas actually so uh, the the young player from AC Milan Newcastle have signed an alley like is that not what Arsenal should be doing? Signing players at that level? So Or a Madison for forty million, which is far better value than you could have those. You could have them you could have had them both. And Kai Havertz for the cost of Declan Rice. Yeah. And it's just that there's an opportunity cost of signing him. And I understand that you think he's going to be a, the dominant midfielder in English in the Premier League for the next couple of years. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm just thinking in my head here that the this the final third for Arsenal next season could be pretty frightening if everyone's in form so a fit Gabriel Jesus up where are front. they playing? Martinelli Saka Havertz Odegaard drops deeper with Rice and that's the team so it's one defender one one player well, you could have a, you like a deep line sure Odegaard in the style of Michael Carrick a deep line playmaker style I could see that working against certain sides now. Obviously, against the bigger teams away from home, you're going to have to change that up a bit. But that's I'm looking forward to a team at the Emirates Stadium against a lot of Premier League opposition. I'm looking forward to Rodri, De Bruyne, and Silva. But that won't be the team against Man City. That won't be the team against Man City. But against three quarters of the Premier League opposition, four 0 after fifteen minutes, that'll be more than good enough to beat most sides. Then you change it up against Man City, pushing Arteta a lot deeper. Who you? You're the water boy. Even, we're not even talking about Emil Smith Rowe and all of this. Well, like, I, it, look, the Arsenal squad is looking very good. Okay, very strong. Okay. No reason that they can challenge enough to win a league, season. though. No Harlem Globetrotters. No reason that they can't win the league again. We didn't. Well, it's not my favorite transfer of the summer. Ogbeni Talutin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't even Such a 
That's brilliant because we were very worried about the lack of uh, Premier League representation. Well, the expectation was he'd go to a championship club or Excellent. maybe when abroad. I saw the other night, big smile on my face. Yeah, he, I really, really, really hope he's going to play. I, yeah. don't know, I don't know enough about how Luton played last season or uh, what position he might play for them. But if he's going to play a week in, week out in the Premier League, that's a massive leap forward for us and for him. And I really hope he's making a fortune, like because he totally deserves it. The, the circuitous route he was talking about, being one in two hundred thousand to make it the way he made it, and um, you know you can see how we missed him in the games just gone. You can see that there's like a an energy that he brings, and uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, look, rather only just avoided. Well, they were, uh, was it twentieth last season? Um, or just just above that, so like he's he, we're still banging in the goals. Like Benny can score goals, and yet as we've seen in Ireland, he's such a good wide player as well. Um, so so exciting. Like that that's one of the moves of the summer from an Irish perspective. Definitely, and I hope we've not finished a few more, just a few more to go, and we'd be like okay, six or seven players in the Premier League. Is yeah, Collins goes to Brentford. Yeah. Um, at Manchester United, uh, David Haye signed his contract, thinking okay, done deal, and they're like. Oh, the the ink is out. My pen. Oh, oh, sorry, I can't fax it back to you because uh, this isn't 1988. Oh, it's, a, it's the same time he's been done by a fax. He was I mean, supposed to go to Real Madrid in 2015, uh, but for a, a dodgy. Well, fax I think machine. that would have been better for Manchester United. I think it'd be better for De Gea as well. well. I don't think so. Yeah, he was the highest paid I, I, player. Is he the in, only player to be have a comfort blanket at a club of that size for so long? Twelve years yeah. unchallenged. I know uh, the the rumor this summer of Andre Onana seems to be gathering a little bit of steam, like sixty million they want, forty million the United. Pay the money. Yeah, he is unbelievable. Yeah, I think if at they the Champions really League, it was like, oh my god, this is ah. Oh. If they truly love each other, club and player, they should part ways. Yeah, didn't they? Uh, they yeah, the I think it's, it's last the love, it's last the passion. I used to love those big like when Van der Sar came in or Schmeichel came in. There's always the big big name goalkeeper signings, and it feels like Fabian Barthez. Yeah, yeah, well there you go. Avian what a ma- what a player ahead of his time, like Barthez. Oh, he was. <laughs> he was out from the back. Oh, he was brilliant. Oh. Oh, he was a World Cup winning goalkeeper. Was, yeah, and oh, short sleeve shirt. Uh, they won and the European Championship winning goalkeeper. Win in spite of him. That was one of the greatest. Team. You can't win in spite of a goalkeeper. If they'd had, a, if they'd had a decent goalkeeper. goalkeeper, they would have kept winning. I just I, if you ever watch back those Premier League years, it's always like it's amazing. Now you had that game against Arsenal at, the, at Highbury when he just passed the ball to Henri twice. twice. <laughs> What was the one where he let the ball slip under his legs? That's the same game, same I think. Same one, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was when he passed the other one. No, but then he went uh, when he not made Malcolm Christie. And Ferguson Derby was County's just looking Malcolm at him Christie. going... him! At right back! Not, he was just ah, nuts. brilliant. Yeah, but then you had the likes of Ander Howe and Taibi and these lads as well. Bosnich. We got it. We got it. Go. Banter era. Yeah, era. we're way, way over. Jared, enjoy your holidays. Thanks very much. Enjoy. Tomorrow, uh, Paddy Christie in studio. Adrian and Shane live with Paddy Christie in studio. Shane Murphy, the Irish fitness coach, who's involved with Manchester City. All Ireland football quarterfinal build-up. Alan Quinlan on the Ireland under 20s who are in action in 20 minutes time against Australia. Uh, right now, we're going to play out with some Paul Rice talking with Joe Malloy on last night's show. Have a tremendous Thursday. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.